What is going on, everyone? This is Miles Dompierre, and welcome to the 106th episode of Xbox Chatter Days. Today, I am stoked to be joined by my good pal, an all-around awesome dude. You know him, you love him, from Spawn on Me and many others. You've seen his beautiful face floating around the internet. Khalif Adams, how you doing on this fine Saturday? I'm excited, man. It's, it's been a minute. It, it always, man, I just tell you, I love the energy that you bring to the show. I love the energy you bring to the world. It always makes me really happy to be able to kind of get up a little bit earlier, you know, do the second twist and turn before I'm like, do I need to get out of bed? Oh, I got to rock a show with Miles. Oh, I'm sick, uh, excited to be rocking with you. So I'm hyped and always and always glad to be uh, able to be on the show with you. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You've been on a few times. I love having you on. Last time you were on, we were talking about the anatomy engine, which Dead Island oh. 2 blatantly stole. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I know video games only take, tw you know, 10 months to make, right? So we were talking about the anatomy engine, all these gore physics, and lo and behold, Dead Island 2 comes out of the gate with that idea. So it was so good. Royalties. Too. All right. Give me just a piece. Give that man his money. Pay that man his money. And also, really quickly, how good was the gore on that game? That game's gore was so good. Like, we had ah. talked it into existence. And it actually came through in a real way. It's so good. It was so, so good. That that game felt like something just for us. The sickos right? of the world who just want to smash skulls in. Break, <laughs> unhinged jaws. You punch people's heads through. Like That is a beautiful game for sickos. And I commend <laughs> Damn Busters for delivering the goods with Dead Island 2. Oh, I agree. I what agree. a game. What a game. I agree. But we've talked a bit about Dead Island 2 on the show, but we have a lot more to dive into today. We're going to be talking about some new details surrounding Starfield. We're going to be talking about Capcom continuing to kill it. We're going to be talking about rumors surrounding Resident Evil, a new Mortal Kombat. We're going to be talking about a Plague Tale Requiem hitting 60 FPS, our hopes and dreams for Summer Game Fest, video game optimization, and so much more. But before we dive into into all of that for the folks who maybe don't know or didn't catch your last episode give us a quick breakdown of who you are and where folks can find you yeah uh my name is Kali Adams I run the Spawn on Me podcast the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry we are celebrating our 10th year in the business of making content for all the wonderful folks of our fictional land of Bracago. so it's always <laughs> good to be able to be uh, doing that kind of work uh, yeah, we, we we have a lot of great conversations on our show. You know, in the past, you know, three or four episodes, we had the CEO of Twitch come on the show to come hang out and talk to us about about the the, the ups and downs of where Twitch is moving. Uh, good friend of the show and man who can't cook, Paris Lilly was on our most recent episode. That I didn't see that. Unfortunately, uh, I that mean, man. Oof. I mean, sometimes you just gotta let you know the, the ruffians in, kind of, kind of come in and hang out with yeah, you. Yeah, let let him have his five minutes to come on and sorry, five minutes, more like two hundred minutes. You know, the I man, the man is a windbag. He can. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's you know it's Xbox Lakers <laughs> cooking. Boo, boo, uh, boo. I lift weights and I'm handsome. Shut <laughs> up. Anyway, it's but I love Paris. Paris is one of the oh, best people on the awesome. planet. But but yeah, we had him on the show to talk about, you know, their phenomenal like industry, you know, viral moment with Phil Spencer having him on on the X cast and kind of funny um, and, and talk a little bit about some NBA stuff. So, yeah, we, we have a really fun show that we talk about a various amount of things, but it's always about video games. It's always about conversations, it's always about culture. And, and that's what we do with Spawn on Me. 
Yeah, appreciate everything you do. Like you mentioned, you've got a lot of amazing industry figures and voices, and you you do a really good job elevating folks from around the world. And I think that's beautiful. Appreciate spawning me. Appreciate the spawnies. And I yeah. love uh, love to see you just continuing to thrive out there, man. I mean, it's it's awesome to see. Trying to push. We're trying to make some some dope things happen while we're on this wonderful rock spinning in space. So you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, every day's a blessing. As this. <laughs> Hey, I, I can't even front as 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 a person who's had a couple of downs this month or, or the past three months. It is nice to kind of look at a thing and say like, "I did that. That's mine. I, I yeah, made that." Yes, yes. Take pride <laughs> you know? in what you do, even the little things. All right, we all need it. It's easy for us to sit here and get down on what we haven't done, what we could be doing. But sometimes you got to pause and say, "Wait a second. I've done some cool stuff. I've yeah. made some people happy. I've made myself happy. I've contributed to the world." And that's important, all right? No matter where you are, no matter who you are, that is important. So, Agreed. yeah, it's easy to fall in the trap of just what we could be, especially in this world of... Uh, of haters connected. and doubters. Being, we're <laughs> being connected. We see everything from everyone all the time, and everyone's doing sick stuff. And you're like, man, how come I'm not doing that sick stuff? But... You're doing sick stuff in your own way. I I'm think. on. I'm on a podcast with with Miles Dampierre. I like. I I I am doing sick stuff by just being <laughs> in the room with you. That's that's the way this works. Uh, see, that's beautiful. That's why we're gonna have some fun today. But before we get into the show proper, some quick housekeeping for the folks yeah. tuning in live on YouTube.com/slash Miles Dampierre or listening on audio services. If you haven't already. Take a minute, join the Xbox Chatterdays Discord. There is a link in the description. We have a lot of great conversations about the show, about the industry. There's a PlayStation channel, a Nintendo channel. We talk about everything in the games industry, and we have a lot of fun over there. So if you haven't dived in, hit that link, pop in, see what's going on. Also, if you haven't seen, Xbox Chatterdays has some merch. I, I whipped up a couple designs I'm pretty happy about. I don't know if you've seen them. There's the Xbox Chatterdays death metal font shirt. Mm, mm, beautiful. Love it. I got my shirt and my hat on order. I'm excited to rep that out in the streets. Shout out to everyone who sent pictures of themselves rocking the merch. Appreciate that. Oh, I got to cop one of these shirts. I got to oh, cop one of these shirts. Yeah, that death metal okay. flare, baby. Mm, mm. And uh, also, not good about tooting my own horn, but if you haven't, if you're new, or if you're returning and you haven't hit that subscribe button on the old YouTube channel, take a second to do that. It helps me boost boost the numbers. I'm trying to hit 2,000 before the end of May. So if you want to help me out, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching live, hit the like button. Share it out. All of that beautiful stuff. Some member shoutouts. The people who are throwing down ducats every month to support the show, got to give them some love because it means a lot. So in the supporter tier, we got Huffy Bear CH. We got Sinful Sadie TTV. We got Goldshell, WPR, Christopher Davis, Buddy McClure, Rachel, Derek Griffin-Jones, ZV Simcoe, Anthony, and last, but certainly not least, my mom. In, in the loyalist here, we got John Grasula, we got Patrick, and we got Nick W. And an extra special shout out to the podcast producers, Matt Valdez, Yodani Quazada, Hargeet Chani, and Mr. Joanna Dark. I see some of those faces in the chat, Mr. Joanna mm -hmm. Dark. We got Infinite Umber, we got Synodex, a lot of amazing returning faces in the chat. Appreciate you tuning into the show, showing some love. Now, something I've been doing in the last several episodes... It's been important to me with the, the current state of the old video game discourse is I want to talk about the games that we're loving. Games yeah. that we've played in the past week that we're loving. So let's start there. Ka, what games have you been playing this past week that you've been loving? 
I've been catching up on my my uh, my shame list. Uh, so it's been a lot of games that I hadn't had a chance to kind of run through DLC and stuff like that. I jumped back into Horizon, started playing Burning Sands, uh, which has been really, really cool. Like I, I, you just forget how good that game looks from just a visual standpoint. You know, that game just, won two just spawnies. A feast for the eyes. Oh, it's so stunning. You know, double award winning, double spawnies winner. Oh, the highest honor, the highest <laughs> High, honor. They won our game of the year and, and one of in our diversity award. So it was uh, very, very cool to jump back into that and see exactly what the, the hype was around that game. Uh, Meet Your Maker is another game that I've been playing a ton of of late. It's it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, Rube Goldberg machine uh, kind of game where you're building traps to try to kill uh, other players and, and, and build these fortresses uh for people to kind of run through it's it's like basically like mouse trap but in the worst <laughs> in, in the best and worst ways uh so that um, game has been a lot of fun if you have not played meet your maker that game is actually really really cool it's not getting a, a, as much visibility as it needs to so definitely go check that out uh was, of course i just started into tears of, of of the kingdom so i'm like really early on with that uh was just playing the uh, diablo service lamb uh the other day uh yesterday because that just came back online. I'm rolling a new Barbarian because I hadn't rolled that class before. And I'm yeah. loving that class. So good. And then the thing that's been taking up most of my time currently is, 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 a, is a callback to an older game that is now being refreshed in Predecessor. Which if you've ever played the Epic Games MOBA, third-person MOBA Paragon, another team called Omida Studios <clears throat> picked up. Uh, all of the assets that Epic had kind of gave, give, given, uh, given, that's not a word, given <laughs> to, to the community uh, and, and said, hey, take these assets, run with it, do what you want. And they were like, look, we want to make the game that you kind of, you know, put out to, to pasture. And it's been really good. Like that team is a small team. They're, they're ramping up. They've been building out some really good stuff within the game. They're doing a lot of balance changes, which is a game for which for a game like that you need to kind of keep the the community which is pretty small um but growing satiated and, and feeling good about it and uh we just got word that not only are they going to put a new character in the game very very soon but they're also going to be bringing it to the playstation 5 which is really exciting because i i play that game not with a mouse and keyboards because i'm not a monster uh even though whatever you know greg miller says about pc players but <laughs> I play that game with a controller, so I, I am I am you know hoping and wanting to play this game at my on my couch and and on the big TV again like I was doing when it was on the PS4. So, a lot of good stuff in the space right now. Like we, you are not in a dearth of of dope games to be able to play at this point. There are so many good things out in the world that's going to take up a ton of your time. So so go out there, get some games in, and and, and play some stuff. The backlog right now is unsustainable, my man. I yeah. look at the games that I want to play. I look at the games I have installed that I haven't beat. And what I've been doing is just uninstalling stuff. I've been sitting down yeah. with my library and having hard conversations and saying, Miles, are you actually going to play this in the next six months? Yep. Miles, are you going yeah. to? And I'm like, nah, maybe. No, okay, let me delete it. And then that way, when I look at my games library, it's smaller, it's more focused, and I can kind of pick and choose what I want to play. Because like you said, there's been so much, so much coming out. I'm stoked to hear that Paragon is coming back in one way, shape or another. I remember yep. playing that on PS4. I'm, I'm a big MOBA fan. I played thousands of hours on of Smite with with a controller. 
you know, as, as the good Lord intended, you should right. always play a MOBA with the controller. That is just the <laughs> optimal experience. I'm sorry. It's just science. I don't know what you want me to say. I agree with you. Okay, so that's uh, controller and MOBAs, a match made in heaven. All right, bring League <laughs> of Legends to console. Let me let me play League of Legends on a controller. All right, I'm not, look, I want that to happen in a in a real big way. Like I know if if they can figure out a way to make that happen, and I'm I'm seeing it happen. Like it feels like it can work. It's an isometric perspective, not that different from the way the Smite was doing it, and it worked. Like I it mean, works. Come on. I, I get me back into league. I was at Riot for a bit. I was playing league a ton and and I fell off league because I was like, I just the mouse hand keyboard dexterity is just not there. And I'm I'm a detriment to my team and they're flaming me right now in the chat. Yeah. Not not, <laughs> not, not, not in the not in the show chat, in the in the League of Legends chat. They're like you're God, what are you doing, it. man? My brother, he is a huge <clears throat> League of Legends fan. Yeah. He plays ranked competitively. He has a dedicated squad. I've jumped into some of their sessions. Oh man. Oh no. That that's that energy and that intensity. It's too much for me. I'm not there. I'm not on that level. But maybe nope. it's just because I don't have the controller in my hands. I mean, like yeah. you, I'm I'm fumbling with the all these keys. I don't need all these keys. Streamline is, it, baby. What is it all? Why do I need to hit a function key? Why do I need to have buttons on my mouse to make things happen faster? I don't need that. I need the controller. I need six buttons and I need some pads underneath the thing controller. That's all I need. Oh, that's it. That's you might not like it, but that is peak gaming right there. All right. Take that, Greg. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. <laughs> um, I've been playing a few things in in yeah. this this swarm of video games. I find myself coming back to grounded. There was a huge update that came out recently that added mm -hmm. wasps, the infected brood mother, a hundred different new crafting materials. That is the game that my wife and I connect with. She's not a huge gamer, but there's two games that she loves, and it makes me laugh because she's a fairly casual player. But mm. her favorite game of all time, and the game that she has well over a thousand hours in, is State of Decay Two. She plays State of Decay oh, 2 on the yeah. hardest difficulty. Difficulties I don't even touch because it's just miserable. It's just such a brutal gauntlet. And yeah. she's just ran through it over and over and over on all the, all the, all the hardest difficulties. So she loves that. Oh. She also loves Grounded. So a casual gamer loves just hardcore survival games. <laughs> so That's we've been playing great. a lot of Grounded, uh, going through some of the new content. Uh, the Wasps, if you haven't seen them, it's basically a wolf spider that can fly. They're absolutely <laughs> brutal. They're so terrible. brutal. Uh, so messed with them a little bit. Got absolutely wrecked. Uh, haven't checked out the infected broodmother. Don't think I'm ready to hang with that yet. But we are have been like teetering on the edge of beating it because we haven't wrapped up the main story. We're at the final boss of the main story. And we've just kind of been exploring and try to soak up as much grounded as we possibly can. So love that game. Love that they continue to support it. Obsidian Entertainment, shout out to them for just being one of the most consistent developers in the industry. Grounded is an absolute hit, and I'm excited to see that franchise grow and expand with the, the, the series. And hopefully it means that either Grounded, the game is continued to support, or they have plans for Grounded 2 or whatever's next that's going to have a bigger team, bigger budget, and a, and a bigger chance to really blow up because, yeah. oh, it's special. And again, this is an Xbox show. So I won't spend too much time talking about it, <laughs> but I'm sorry. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is out. I'm surprised any of you are watching this live when you could be playing Tears of the Kingdom. So shout out to you who are tuning in. Appreciate you. And to everyone who is not tuning in live, I don't fault you at all. All right. I don't even fault you a little bit because that game is an absolute slapper.
to preface this conversation, I will say that I love Breath of the Wild. I thought it was a fantastic sandbox. It wasn't my favorite Zelda ever, so I wasn't in, in the mm. camp that Breath of the Wild was the greatest video game ever, but I still recognize the importance of the open world, of the sandbox, how it influenced games like Grounded, and how it influenced games like Elden Ring. So there was no denying what Breath of the Wild did for open world video games. But like many people, when I saw Tears of the Kingdom revealed, I was a little worried that it would be too much of the same because mm. we we had Breath of the Wild. Had it been such a long time, we've been playing Breath of the Wild for years. Same art style, obviously the same map being retooled. I was worried that it would feel too samey or that I would jump in and it wouldn't have that same magic that the original had. Mm. And I, I was completely wrong. The first four hours of Tears of the Kingdom have more creativity and personality and heart than most entire open world games do. It is such a triumph. The fact that this game runs at all on the Switch with what's there in terms of physics calculations, in terms of draw distance, in terms of density. Mm -hmm. The fact that this is running on the Switch is an absolute miracle. All right, This is such an <laughs> impressive game. Every time I roll a boulder down the hill into a barrel, into a pile of barrels that explode and I see bodies falling everywhere and then a windstorm kicks up and it's launching arrows, it's launching apples, it's launching all of these individual objects. I look at that and say, man, so many other open world games wouldn't even dare attempt this. And the fact that not only did the Tears of the Kingdom execute it, but they, they did it better than most. And it's, it's wild that they did that on such limited hardware. So I'm about mm -hmm. 12 hours in. I don't want to give spoilers for people who are still playing, but my biggest takeaway so far is that, one, if you like Majora's Mask, this is the darkest Zelda since Majora's Mask. The opening yep. sets the tone of the game. It lets you know that things are going to get weird. Things are going to get scary. Um, in addition to the sky, there are subterranean locations. So this game is dense in all directions. Huge open world map, sky areas, underground areas, and there's elements of cosmic horror. There's these really horrifying gloom monsters that are hidden throughout the map. It is, it's a dark game. The narrative beats are dark. The story is, is foreboding and ominous. And um, as a, you know, as someone who prefers the, the edgier things, brother, <laughs> I, I have really found myself connecting with the story right away. So again, don't want to rant too much because I know there are a contingent of Xbox fans who don't care about Tears of the Kingdom or don't care about Nintendo. <laughs> Rand Althor 19, one of the, the bad players in the Xbox community. Uh, just kidding. Love Rand. Uh, we have our fake internet feud with Nintendo. But Tears of the Kingdom, absolute banger, absolute yeah. slapper. Um, and I can't believe they did it. I just, I can't believe they did it. It's... It's so impressive, and that really shows, you know, what happens when you give a team six years to work on a game. I mean, they continue to just, like, churn out, like, memorable hits over and over and over again. Like, it, it feels like when you put the, the Mega A squad on the team to do a game, they don't miss. They, they, there is no, like, oh, we're just going to get a nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in terms of reviews, like, that thing got nines and tens across the board for, for most of the major outlets to be able to kind of showcase what that game can do. And and to talk about really quickly, just, and we're going to talk a little bit more about performance a little bit later, but I think it really does show when you have the hardware that you have made, that you have cultivated, that you have homegrown, and you are playing and making towards that spec, 
you can make some miracles happen within within the kind of you know game space that you're, you're creating it's it's phenomenal stuff i'm really early in super super early in like just rolled the beginning of it uh, yesterday but as a person who does not play a lot of um uh, nintendo games or zelda games in general i'm actually really kind of like sucked in because it is a little bit darker because it is that has a little bit of a darker tone so i'm like oh word oh word yeah let's let's get weird with it all right this is gonna happen okay all right so so i'm I'm excited for that for sure yeah so again a lot of us figured it would review well i was not expecting it to be the best reviewed game of all time um that's that's a huge accomplishment and um yeah again i know it's not for everyone and people are a little disappointed by the current switch hardware and i yeah we'll talk about this more later but yes i want every game to be 4k 60 um but in this in this case here um how the game exists in its current state on the current hardware is is a technical achievement um again it would be dope if it was 60 let's let's Mm -hmm. there's no downplaying that i'm not going to tell you that 30 fps is better because 60 fps is better 100 of the time but that's not stopping me from uh playing tears of the kingdom with a big old smile on my face because of all the the nonsense that you can do combining a spoon to a big old stick and just smacking some goblins goblins in the ass with a big old spoon stick i mean that's mm-hmm. just good old-fashioned fun right there yeah that's the way it works smacking good old-fashioned fun <laughs> oh, ho- hold up i gotta call out some slander in the chat synodex says Skull, big MOBA fan equals Smite. Are you slandering Smite on this on this show in this chat? How, how, how dare you? In this in this day and age, in this ba- someone climate, ban him. <laughs> in this climate, in this economy, uh, how dare you? Smite? How dare? You? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to get to a super chat from Mister Joanna Dark, who says shout out to fellow Knicks fans, Khalif, and of course Miles the Goat Dampierre. With the rumored RE9 apocalypse, what are your thoughts on it? And are we one step closer to the revival of my beloved Code Veronica, Trigger Miles? <laughs> We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk yeah. about that. You just strap in. You hold on because there's a lot of Capcom goodness to dive into. And, oh, ooh, yeah. You and, I, you and I connect. We bond over Capcom, that Capcom love. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Capcom stuff to dive into. So we will talk about the next Resident Evil, the rumors about apocalypse and a whole bunch more. So just just hang in. I will touch on that. And again, for the record, Code Veronica is not a good Resident Evil game. <laughs> I will say I it, it. I loud. It. I will say it proud. It is. I love it. If they never remake it, I'll be fine. I think the world <laughs> will be a better place if they never remake it. <laughs> I love it. Obviously, being a little inflammatory, I would buy a Code Veronica remake in a heartbeat, okay? <laughs> but that would be the true test. If... If the the Capcom magic works, if you could go and everything they've remade so far, the foundation's been great anyway. So it's it's mm-hmm. you know, but if you could take a foundation like Code Veronica or Resident Evil Six, where it's just fundamentally broken, <laughs> yeah, and make it great. <clears throat> all right, hey, more power to you. It works. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the biggest Xbox game of 2023, Code and that Veronica. is yes. <laughs> code veronica no that's starfield a lot of people are amped jazzed rocked ready to play some starfield and we got some new details about its rating so ahead of the, or following the review the reveal a lot of people speculated that based on what we saw maybe this was going to have a t rating there wasn't mm. a lot of blood there wasn't gore people were you know questioning whether or not bethesda was going to deliver an m rated 
Bethesda RPG. And now, we, thanks to the ESRB, we've gotten some official details and the official rating for Starfield, which is, in fact, M-rated. Because it's got sex, drugs, yeah. and rock and roll, brother. Let's go. I'm so, very excited. Let's talk a little bit about it. So, According to the ESRB, it's being rated M for the following reasons. Violence. Players will use futuristic guns, lasers, axes, and explosives to kill enemies. Combat is fast-paced with frequent gunfire, cries of pain, and explosions. Attacks on some enemies can result in blood spatter effects. Several environments depict blood stains on the ground around corpses. Blood? Mm. Near corpses? Sounds mm. pretty M-rated to me. Yeah. Let's talk a little I'm bit about sex, all right? Some suggested material in the dialogue and after, after, sharing, bed with, after sharing a bed with characters. So there is sex. There will be sex in Starfield. And you will get beautiful lines like, I'm all for getting a little wild. But next time, <laughs> let's try it without the jetpacks. That, that, that Bethesda pillow talk. Let's oh, go. Oh, yeah. So right. does this confirm jetpack sex? Is that... What we are to believe here? Well, at least we know that there's some jetpacks in there. Who knows if the sex is going to be reasonable enough to combine? I don't think Bethesda is technologically ready to do both. I think you can either have one or the other at I, a time. I don't think the world's ready for both. All right? I don't think the world is ready for a game where you can actively have sex on a jetpack. I think the only... And, and, I, and I talked about this on Twitter... Uh, because I think that people were in a in a huff about the the fact that Bethesda had pillow talk and it wasn't great in the game. And first of all, I was like, I want to know what your actual good versions of pillow talk are. For one, two, shout out to Bill Murray's brother, who had one of my favorite almost sex scenes. Well, it was it was supposed to be a sex scene, but it was supposed to be in in a, in space. But it was in a um, one of those uh, zero G simulators in a movie called Moving Violation. <laughs> What? from the early 80s uh, <laughs> with jennifer tilly it was a fantastic oh, movie dang. let me save this let me see let me take a quick then i was like i was like what is this movie it was the best and it had a it had a scene where they were both having supposed to have sex in in a in a zero g simulator so it was great but yeah okay Okay, Jet yeah, again. Sex in, 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 in Starfield, I'm okay with this. The way they phrase this, quote, some suggested material in the dialogue after sharing a bed with characters makes me feel like you're not getting the, the Grand Theft Auto finale. The hidden, right. the hidden juicy, saucy scene. But yeah, there will be no hot coffee in this. In space, <laughs> no one can hear you. Ooh-wee! <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Save it! Save it. Save oh, it for me. What? Save that for me. I'm putting that on my GoXLR tomorrow. That is going to be, uh, I'm putting that into every Spawn of Me episode for the rest of my life. Uh, let's talk about drugs. There's a psychotropic uh, fish called Aurora that players can ingest that I assume will give you some sort of psychic psychedelic experience or will play a narrative beat in this pleasure city, as they call it, in, right. in Starfield. So... How are you feeling about all of these details? We got the classic Bethesda fashion. We got drugs, we got sex, and we got killing. Is that yeah. what you want from a Bethesda RPG? Is that Does that yes. check all the boxes? Yeah. I mean, why not? Like, I think, you know, the, it, weirdly enough, the funny thing, that because I know people are like, oh, this the, the drugs or the killing or the stuff gave me pause. The only thing that actually gave me pause in that listing of stuff was axes. Cause I was yeah. Like, I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, hmm. I don't know, like, I don't want Bethesda to dig into their 
Skyrim bag here. Like, I don't want them to dig into any of that stuff. I want everything to feel futuristic. I want everything to feel like it's in that in that kind of motif in that in that setting. Like, I want it to feel grounded in the world that they're building. And in what everything we've heard of Starfield, Axis doesn't sound like a thing that fits into any of the stuff that we've been thinking about. Maybe it's like game. Callisto Protocol, where it's like an <clears throat> engineer, futuristic engineer axe, or I imagine something. It'll be yeah, it has to be some like we made a you know a fire axe out of out of some some things. So I we'll see what it, what it plays into. But in terms of all the other stuff, like I think they need to kind of go in that kind of direction with this kind of game. Like I think. This is a game for adults. This is going to be a game for people who, who are going to want to spend time with what is supposed to be a robust world that's going to have memorable moments that are going to be things that you talk about, hopefully, you know, when you're having those conversations in Slack or at the if you actually are in the office talking to actual, actual human beings face-to-face. -face. Like, this game should be robust in that way. And, and if you're going to reflect some layers of the real world, you got sex and drugs in it. I'm okay with that. That's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. Again, a lot of people... We're wondering whether or not Starfield would be more Star Wars in terms of being approachable, approachable for just a, a wider audience. And it seems mm -hmm. like they are wanting as many people as possible to play Starfield, but they still want to adhere to that adult fantasy setting of, of Starfield. So yeah. it's nice that we got confirmation of this. And again, we'll get some more details in June and we'll see how that all plays out in the game. What are your hype levels at for Starfield? Are you a, are you excited about what we've seen so far? Is this one of your most anticipated games for the year? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think Bethesda continues to 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 always have that nostalgia in their pocket for me. Like, I just remember spending so much time in Oblivion and so much time in mm -hmm. Fallout and so much time in in all those spaces where in Skyrim, where. Is for as much crap as they get about bugs and, and and kind of like not having a fully kind of like the the hopes that you see in terms of technology are, are sometimes a little bit off. They still have some of the best writers on the on the planet. They still have like some brilliant d developers in that in those teams that that are really thinking about stuff in a real big way. I do really feel like this is going to be the the moment for them where either they get to feel like as a company they can move forward in a way that feels super comprehensive or this is not a make or break game for them but this is a care and not care game for them from an audience perspective i think they've they've run on cachet for a long period of time because they've built a lot of really dope stuff over the over the past couple of games but <clears throat> i think everyone is caught up in terms of scope in terms of scale in terms of technology of terms of like this game could be a bunch of different versions of multiple games that we've semi seen already you know no man's sky has really nailed a lot of the stuff that they're trying to do in this game um, but what they'll pull together is that visual flair and that kind of breadth and depth of story that will that will be the the thing that kind of pulls people together uh, and makes them really hype for what this thing is so i'm I'm excited for it. I'm still, you know, hyped for what it's going to be. This showcase that's coming up is going to be a huge deal for them in terms of showing and not just telling uh, about the, the, the game in a real way. Like, we're going to have to see if this thing looks like a next-gen game, if it feels like a next-gen game, if it feels like they've finally nailed shooting because that's always been a big issue for most of their games when it came to anything that had to do with weapons uh, in that way. Like, arrows felt good, but guns never did. You know what I mean? You know, like, so... I think it's going to be a, a lot of those conversations 
to see if they've learned a lot uh, in between the last couple of games that they've made and if they feel like they've caught up to, uh, you know, the rest of the world in that way. Because you really think about the biggest gripe that most people had about Bethesda games where they were like, this engine is old. This engine is old. The stuff that you're building in feels antiquated and it doesn't feel like it's you know up to par with everything we've seen. They've gotten a tweaked version of what it looks like to have their new engine and it looks really good, but how does it feel when you're in it and how do you play it? So when they show it off, it's gonna be a huge deal to see. Like, does it feel slow and clunky? Does it feel like you're be able to be nimble when you go into third person? Does that feel good? You know, are you able to kind of you know shoot and, and interact with things in that way? And do the story bits that they potentially share, do those things feel really good? I think the layers of, of things that they have to hit, they can't be wishy-washy about the, the, the features and specs, and they have to show a lot of that stuff off in a way that tells you exactly why you bought a console. And, you know, when we get to the conversation about performance, that's going to be a big, big part of that conversation in a, in a much broader way of like, does this, is it hidden 60? Or do they have a performance mode? Or and if it does, what's the what's the fidelity hit that you're going to wind up seeing in here? So they have a lot of answers and a lot of questions to get answered, and and we're hoping to get a bunch of those in in the next uh, showcase that they show. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about the prospects of what a new Bethesda IP can be because as you've touched on, they've created these iconic franchises. They didn't create Fallout, but I think Fallout Three was the game that brought people <laughs> into Fallout. There's Elder yep. Scrolls. There's all of these franchises that people look to and say, those are my favorite games ever. Mm -hmm. Skyrim is my favorite game ever. Fallout 3 is my favorite game ever. They have a lot of pedigree and a lot of people who really hold them in high regard. The first Bethesda game I ever played was Morrowind on the original yeah. Xbox, and that game blew my mind. I'd never played anything like it. But as you've touched on, in this current landscape, that's not the case anymore. When Todd Howard says, this is Skyrim in space, well, that's cool. Well, that's novel. I think for a broader audience who've grown up with, because the reality is a lot of people who are going to play Starfield grew up past the introduction of Bethesda. They, mm -hmm. Their introduction to open world games is something like The Witcher 3, for example, which yeah. again, that elevates a lot of the principles that Oblivion and Skyrim had and just improved on it in a lot of, pretty much every single way. Witcher 3 is, that was one of those landmark open world games we've seen breath of the wild since then we have seen elden ring since then we have seen people come into the open world space and say all right if you want to if you want to play this game if you want to step into this thunderdome here's what you got to deliver so mm -hmm. again i'm not doubting bethesda in any way and clearly they've spent a lot of time they have a lot of resources we've heard phil spencer come out and say that they are sending their advanced technology group and all these other teams to ensure that this is a tight polished launch the scope of what we've seen in terms of gameplay seems massive you have mm -hmm. the, the the planets that you can explore you have the space you have ship combat you have ship customization this game looks dense as hell it looks incredibly mm -hmm. dense but like you said, the feel is going to be important because as much as I've loved Bethesda's narrative beats, their immersive elements, the RPG elements, their games have never felt that great to play. Right. And that's that's a huge problem because now people have proven you can do both. You can have an immersive RPG that feels amazing to play. And so that's the, the space that Bethesda is going to have to step into with Starfield. And again, just the fact that this is a very high profile first party Xbox exclusive that automatically sets expectations higher. 
for what Starfield is. The fact that this is going to be a first party exclusive $70 Xbox game, that just makes the expectations higher. So they really have uh, a lot of pressure on them, especially coming off the back of Redfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the biggest sci-fi person. Like I love mm-hmm. sci-fi horror, but that's kind of, that's where it stops for me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So for me going to this year, I was more excited about Redfall. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw how that we saw how that played out for your boy over here. So now I'm I'm looking at Starfield. I'm gonna play Starfield day one. But yeah, it's June is hopefully gonna be when we see what this all means. And hopefully yeah. that's the moment that I look at this game and say, yeah, I'm all in. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get lost in this this world. And if they can sell me of all people on a open world sci-fi RPG, then I think that's that's the biggest glowing testament and praise I can give a game like Starfield. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that this is going to be the 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 game that if they nail this, I think we reset a little bit of the conversation about what does it mean to be an Xbox first party game. And I think it, it changes the narrative again to say what happens to the, like we can have some faith in the vision of the Xbox leadership team of the studios that are in that in that kind of umbrella because like if if bethesda can nail this and really get it done this raises a level of excitement for whatever their next thing is mm-hmm. right because we know a new skyrim is coming right or a new elder scrolls is coming yep and if this is a a sign of what they're capable of from a technology perspective that raises the level of excitement for a game that is still probably another five years away even more because we know they're going to nail the story bits in that game. We know they're going to nail the lore bits in that game. It's always been about the tech when it comes to Bethesda stuff. So uh, it, it just changes the, the narrative for Xbox in a much bigger way where they actually have some space to kind of like breathe again and say like, we have dope stuff coming and you can see it. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's mm-hmm. it's again... I don't want to say, oh, this is a make or break moment for Xbox, or this is the most yeah. important release ever for Xbox, but it is an important release for Xbox because yeah. they've highly marketed this game. This is going to be the first new Bethesda RPG IP in a very long time. This mm-hmm. Again, Redfall was the first new Bethesda IP to launch under the, the banner of Xbox, and mm-hmm. that was subpar. People were not stoked about the quality. People were not stoked about the execution. For some people that rattled their confidence in what it means to be part of Xbox in terms of Xbox game studios. Because the promise and the belief was, yeah, your games, you're going to be able to make games better than you've ever made before. And again, I have given Xbox praise because I think in a alternate timeline where Bethesda wasn't acquired, Redfall would have shipped last year. Starfield would have shipped last year and they would have been in a much worse state. I think Xbox does deserve some credit for delaying a game and letting them have a chance to deliver on that. But when the delivery, regardless of what the reality is, regardless of what happened behind the scenes that led to the game releasing in the state that it did, that reflects on Xbox now because we've seen Mm -hmm. them use Hi-Fi Rush as marketing beats. We've seen them celebrate Hi-Fi Rush as an Xbox win. But that means when something a Redfall hit, doesn't hit in the way people want that's an xbox l so i mean i'm happy phil spencer came out jumped on the grenade for the team and really owned up to that because yeah that's the reality regardless of you know what happened behind the scenes you are part of xbox now and so 
Whether it's fair or not, that puts a lot of pressure on these teams. It puts a lot of pressure on Arcane. It puts a lot of pressure on Bethesda to really just bring it, deliver it. Um, and some of that is just console war noise, people wanting the, the victories or the losses to throw in the face of somebody else. But yeah. some of it is just people who bought an Xbox were excited. They spent 500 bucks on the Series X and they spent $70 on Starfield and they just want to have that premium experience. And yeah. I think the people who are disappointed by, especially if you paid $70 for Redfall, mm -hmm. like I don't know, I don't imagine this is a huge percentage of people, but maybe there's probably somebody in the world who bought a Series X Paid seventy dollars for Redfall and was like, "This is Xbox." Oh. Have you gone back? Have you gone back to oh. it since since you started to kind of dig into it? Yeah, I'm, I don't know if you fully went through it. I, I haven't it. finished the campaign, but I'm thirty yeah. hours in, so I've played. I've yeah. played a lot. I've played a lot of Redfall. It's got a lot of problems. I was very critical of it. I I still stand by all my criticisms of the game. That being said, if you're playing in co-op, if you like horror shooters, there there are moments that make me look at what Redfall could have been and mm. say that there was something special here in terms of this idea. The pitch, the world of Redfall, to me, was a good idea. Clearly there were problems with execution, and I don't know the reality of what happened there, but sure. um, there are moments of, of greatness sprinkled throughout there, but unfortunately, there's a lot of just fundamental problems that hindered the experience. So I've been having fun with it, but I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's a good game or a great game, because. I'm not going to fault anyone who bounced off immediately. I even one of the th first things I talked about in my impressions of Redfall was the fact that it does not set a good first impression. The initial yep. experience is it's very poor and it's going to turn people off. And I was playing with some friends. We did a campaign quest. We popped an achievement for a quest you finish in the first five hours of the game a few nights ago. And it was like a less than 1% achievement, which means... 99% of people who played Redfall didn't even make it five hours in, which is, wow, that's not a good place to be. Like, it, this, was a, this wasn't an optional side quest. This was a main quest line that's a few hours into the game, and wow. less than 1% of people completed it. So it shows you that people are bouncing off really fast, and that's, wow. again, if you stick with it, there are moments that really kind of that kept me reengaged because I would have this roller coaster where I would be enjoying it and then i'd be really down on it and then something would happen there'd be a narrative beat there would be a cool gameplay mechanic there'd be a boss fight and that would lift me back up and then mm -hmm. i would go back to the open world sink down and there was this ebb and flow um but i understand that some people don't have the patience or time to deal with that ebb and they just they just want they just want the flow baby just non-stop yeah. flow we got yeah like you said there's no shortage of games to play and when you come out right before breath of the wild and right after star wars jedi survivor Mm -hmm. Even if Redfall was a just absolute hit, unquestionable hit, it would have been tough to have a huge audience because of the timing. So, yep, yep, makes sense. But yeah, Redfall isn't the worst game ever, but um, it's as the kids say, uh, not a good look, not a good look for the old <laughs> Xbox. Bethesda has a lot to prove with Starfield again. Yep. All right, let's move on to. Oops. There we go. Let's move on to Capcom, dude. Let's talk Ooh. a little bit about Capcom because Capcom, mm -hmm. they're in the middle of a, a renaissance right now. They just keep delivering hit 
after hit. It all started with Resident Evil 7, and then it moved to Monster Hunter World. We've had Resident Evil Village. We've had Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 3 remake, Resident Evil 4. We've had Devil May Cry. Street Fighter 6 looks absolutely incredible. Seems like everything they're touching right now is just, is just a hit. And that is translating to some big old success, because we had the year-end fiscal results for Capcom, and Capcom smashed its record, its previous games sold record. So this fiscal period ended on March 31st and Capcom announced it had sold 41.7 million games during the 12 month period. And the Damn. previous record was 32.6. So they almost smashed their previous record by 10 million. Ka, how is the current Capcom renaissance sitting with you? How are you feeling about their output? What they've been delivering? The fact that they're giving people raises and sell and, and sharing in the success with their staff. I'm really excited for it. I mean, I, I've been a big Capcom fan for a long period of time. Uh, of course, I, I kind of come in from the the fighting game angle of, of all of this stuff. <laughs> um, so it always winds up being, uh, you know, Street Fighter first and then other stuff kind of moving itself in. Like, I, I'm infinitely excited by Exo Primal. Oh, yes, dude. Oh, yes. That game is something that is under the radar right now, and it deserves more love because I think that is a game that is not only interesting, but from a co-op perspective in a PvE versus PvE PP version of a game, uh, that is something I haven't seen done really, really well, and they're nailing that. Um, and, and I think just from... You know, everything I've seen of Street Fighter Six, like that game is just gonna be a monster of a game mm -hmm. for them this year. Like Ugh. and then, you know, it's 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 mm. all of the, it's all of that stuff that's just in there. It's just ready to kind of just be in the world and take over the summer. Like it's like the summer of Capcom in a real way. Like in 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 a, a way that I have not seen them kind of perform in a while. Like yeah, we know RE stuff is going to be in the mix. Like, we know that that's going to be great. But I've just not seen hype around a fighting game like this in a, in a long time. In a, in a year where we're going to get every major franchise in the fighting game community that people care about, the kind of tentpole games, is going to have a version of their game out this year. And Capcom is probably going to still have the biggest version of it, which is nuts. What we've seen of Street Fighter makes me feel like Capcom is really going all in the the, the first oh, yeah. reveal where they showed you the fact that you can make goofy faces during the introduction with your character the, the the face off and you can emote during the loading sequences and then they show you the fact that there's this weird kind of open world third person campaign where you're going to navigate the city and and just fight women on the streets like <laughs> they're really putting everything out there, their character creation. You can make the ugliest, dumbest T-Rex arm looking monstrosity and yep. bring that online and play with it in a competitive yep. fighting game. And that is, that is beautiful. Yep. And, you know, we've seen franchises kind of have their moment and then fade away. And, and sometimes they get the reboot or the, the, the title that brings people back in. But every game that Capcom has put out recently, even stuff like Devil May Cry, has been mm -hmm. bigger than it's ever been before. So I look at Street Fighter VI, I look at this multi-platform release, there's no exclusivity here, and, I, and, and it makes me feel like Street Fighter VI is gonna be the biggest and best-selling Street Fighter game of all time. And so oh. there's just so much potential for Capcom, and they've done such an amazing job curating their franchises. I remember when 
they first shared sales data for Resident Evil 7. And they were mm. talking about how, and Resident Evil 7 has gone on to be one of their best selling games ever. It's a, it's a huge game for them. But I remember them talking about the initial sales data and saying that critical reception is a, a pillar of our game decisions. And we mm. are going to champion the fact that we put out games that meet a certain quality standard. And then hopefully in turn that correlates to, to sales. And as we've seen with a lot of their titles that have reviewed well, that is absolutely the case. Resident Evil 4 was massive. Uh, Monster Hunter World, absolute juggernaut. When Monster Hunter World 2 hits, my God, that's going to do some numbers <laughs> for them. Yep, yep. So Capcom right now is doing amazingly well. Um, we got Paris Lilly in the chat, though. Quick aside here who says, the two people I dislike the most in all of gaming, Miles and Ka. What? How do you feel about that? Does that hurt? Does that hurt to hear? hear? I mean, I people who like love LeBron James as much as he does, like it doesn't like that. That's like water off my back. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like people who 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 want to be cool but aren't cool, and they think that they're the coolest. Like they're not cool. Yeah, that's the perfect description of Paris. People who think they're cool but aren't. I think that sums up Paris pretty well. Right? You know, yeah. he's like he's like the Russell Westbrook of, of gaming right now. He's like. <laughs> puts up a shot, thinks it's going to go in, is really confident about it. He puts it up the bricks. shot, turns away from the ball before it goes in, and it just bricks. That's like, yeah, man. You know. Yeah, that's the average Paris take. What was it? Metal Gear's never been good, brother. <laughs> he what? Said, he said, I saw that, and I, and I, and I, and I usually, I say, like, I, say, I, I say, what? I didn't, I didn't want to text him and call him and be like, yo, are you on drugs? Because like, <laughs> that's like a, that's a, that's a, you are, are you on Aurora? <laughs> Are you taking Aurora right you, now? You get them, some of those fish psychotropics in you. What is this? What, what is what is going on to say Metal Gear is not a great game? What is happening in this man's mind in his life Whew. where he cannot find joy in a? <laughs> he says, what "Oh my I... God, how dare you put Westbrook <laughs> on me?" <laughs> but it's but it's amazing though. Like I love I love that cat, but that that Metal Gear take was unreasonable. It's like people who want. <laughs> freaking what is it what's the game that he wants to come back is a banjo kazooie or some nonsense that he wants to come back Whatever oh yeah yeah banjo banjo I mean, like again nobody wants this nobody no, wants this game i'm not nobody i can't co i can't co-sign on that one i'm not taking the banjo heat with you i'll take right? it i'll t i'll take all give me all the banjo heat what's it okay. gonna do the three people who Oof. like that game are gonna come get Oof. me whatever <laughs> i'll take it come on three people i'll fight you in the parking lot let's go creator clash <laughs> Ka versus all the banjo fans yo i'll be down i would do it i would do it i'll, I'll figure it out i'll just spin in a circle and, and put my hands out maybe that'll, that'll double work. lariat put both your arms out and just spin in a circle man that's it that's, that's it. it that's it yep. uh i want to give a huge shout out to everyone who is tuning in live i see amazing folks in the chat we got yo donnie we got cry topsy infinite umbra i say amazing but i'd feel bad including paris lily in this list but <laughs> yes paris is here as well um, if you're digging the show, hit that like button, share it out. Before we talk about Resident Evil 9, which I know Mr. Joanna Dark asked about that, we're going to talk all about the rumors surrounding Resident Evil and, and that. Yep. I do want to touch on some other details surrounding Capcom. So what's surprising about the, the fiscal announcement here, this $42 million figure in 12 months? That's a huge number of sales for any <clears throat> publisher, especially a third-party publisher. That Those are some... Those are some big numbers. Those are some really mm -hmm. big numbers. But Capcom has said that they expect to surpass this record-breaking year in the upcoming year. Now, we know mm. Street Fighter is going to be huge. 
We know yep. they have Exoprimal. But what else is Capcom planning in the next 12 months? You're not going to... I know Street Fighter is going to be big, but you're not going to be selling 43 million copies of Street Fighter 6 in a year. What else know. are they cooking, man? What, what else are they sitting on where they can come out with a straight face and say, yeah, we're going to smash another record this year? Power Stone. Power Stone. <laughs> I mean, I that, want that, that, to, I want that like, to be the thing. That'll add a cool 500,000 500, copies. Yeah, I know, I know. Everybody else is like, who? What's that? I mean, Power look, it could, be another, it could be another Devil May Cry. Uh, who knows what they've been cooking on that end? I haven't seen anything on that side. I, I, I'd laughingly say, you know, Power Stone, but I think, I think that, you know, Castlevania could, uh, no, that's Konami. Uh, it could be some... It has to be a throwback, though. I think it has to be another throwback that hits on nostalgia, right? Because I think, you know, unless they're going to already pull out that Monster Hunter 2 out of their bag and have it kind of already to go, which could, which could be that thing, if they do have that, then that, that would be the, the, the tipping point for them. Like, Monster Hunter is just so big in so many different places. Like, that thing does numbers. I hear people talk about that thing. I don't understand it, but I get that people like it. And I'm just like, holy crap, that thing does numbers. It's so wild. So, so we'll see. I'll, I'll be excited to see where they kind of, if they can hit that number and what they've been talking about, if they throw another wrinkle into the space that we didn't see coming at all, like that would be really cool. Because I think we'll talk about this kind of a little bit during the, the RE segment. I think they also need to start thinking about new IP in a, in a much bigger way. Like, it's the reason why I'm excited about Exoprimal is because it is something that's new, even though it does feel a lot like Lost Planet um it, it yeah. is it is something new but i i do want them to kind of pull something together that is that is very very different in that way somebody in the chat said oh and i'll try to find it it's it's the the game where you're in the mall what's the dead game rising the dead maybe rising. yeah if they if maybe if they pull a dead rising in the in, in the re engine that could be really, really compelling and really oh, cool. Oh man, that's a that's a Miles ass video game right there. Yeah, like maybe they can pull that together. That would be really fantastic. So, I'm I'm sh I'm pulling for them. I'm still going to be playing play Exo Primal and, and Street Fighter all day. But I'm excited for what they might have. It'll be cool. Yeah, it's exciting because we know they have to be realistic with these financial goals. They they wouldn't yeah. casually say that they're gonna crank out these numbers just to on the other end of this year have a bunch of people dip their stocks because after this record-breaking year their stocks skyrocketed because people are yeah. saying okay capcom's got something going here i want to be a part of it so they want to keep that growth they want to keep that momentum so when i look at a number that could surpass 42 million i have to say street fighter 6 and something of the caliber of monster hunter world 2 yeah we know we know resident evil sells well and we're going to talk more about resident evil but they just shipped four and maybe potentially they're going to crank out another Resident Evil by next March. There is a possibility mm. for that. Um, but if it does come out March, that doesn't give a huge amount of time for it to sell the copies it needs. So maybe we are going to get something in, in the line of a Monster Hunter World 2. We also know games like Dragon's Dogma 2 and Fragmata, I think. Yes, I think I said that right. Those Those have been revealed and we don't have dates for those. Dragon's Dogma 2, as much as I want it so, so bad, I don't think it's coming that soon. The way that they revealed it, the way that they talked about it, makes me feel like it's still early days for Dragon's Dogma 2. I would love to be wrong. I would love for them to have been secretly working on Dragon's Dogma 2 for four years, and they just drop it out this holiday. Mm. But I don't think that that's the reality. 
But if you can do a Street Fighter 6 and a Monster Hunter World 2, yeah, you can do. You can do 40 plus million copies in a year. Yeah, I agree. But totally on point. I do want to talk a little bit about Resident Evil 9. But first, some super chats here from Jacob Novick. Is PlayStation in trouble? Question mark. Some people talk about Xbox in trouble. <laughs> but here's a list before answering. Sony increased Steam prices in a few countries, Bungie layoffs, Sony Japan and Pixel Opus closure, games canceled from Striker, and Deviation Games. Yeah, there's been some unfortunate developments in the PlayStation camp. We've had Pixel Opus shut down. They did Concrete Genie. They were this, this talented indie studio that PlayStation scooped up. Um, they were working with Sony Pictures Animation or Sony Animation Studios on another game that seemingly has been canceled and Pixel Opus was shut down. Deviation Games, which was another studio PlayStation acquired that had estimates, say, 150-ish, 150 to 200 staff, 90-ish staff were reportedly laid off very recently as well. So there are a lot of unfortunate mm. developments in the games industry as a whole. Um, we've seen Xbox lay people off at 343. We've seen a bunch of other studios lay people. Ubisoft as well just did a round of layoffs. Yep. So it's unfortunately not just isolated to PlayStation or Xbox. I know in this battle of console superiority, ban battle of PR nonsense, that that's the focus for a lot of us here. But the reality is that it's been a rough year for devs. It's been a rough year for folks in games media. And um, yeah, I would say, you know, try to be a little bit nicer to some of those folks instead of just <laughs> using their number as a statistic to push a narrative that xbox is doomed or playstation is doomed because you know when they say 90 people are laid off that's that's 90 people whose day-to-day -day lives are fundamentally impacted and that sucks yeah. that sucks to hear and that's compounded by the fact that there's been hundreds more in the last several months every single day i'm on twitter i feel like i'm seeing more layoffs and it's 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 hard it's hard to see it, it sucks because there was so much investment over the course of the last few years and then as soon as the the profits aren't there or that growth isn't exponential, people say, now nah, I'm good. Actually, you know what? You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. I got to appease these shareholders. This is the easiest, quickest way for me to do that. So I'm just cutting people. And I, regardless of who's doing it, I really don't like that approach, especially when all of these companies are having record breaking quarters. So it's not that they're not doing well. It's not that they're losing money. It's that their growth potential isn't exponential. And that's yeah. that's where I have a fundamental problem. So again, I don't know that PlayStation's in trouble, but I do know that people are scared about where the economy might go, and that is leading them to make hard decisions about where people need to be. Yep, I fully agree with all of those points. It's it's, it's not easy out here, and, and the conversations around the the video game space, if you're trying to work in it and and, and find a good space to kind of land. So, massive shout out and love to everybody who's who's still grinding it out and trying to figure out a way to kind of stick stick in, in, into the space because it's it's real real rough out there for a lot of folks so, it's, it, so it's rough love. out in those streets right now all right let me tell mm -hmm. you i'm talking to people mm -hmm. every day who are like i just got laid off or i'm gonna be laid off i'm worried about being laid off and that's just mm -hmm. the, the looming pressure of everyone in the industry right now so um yeah yep. unfortunate i was not stoked to see that you know obviously this is an xbox show and i saw xbox fans trying to spin this as some sort of like playstation is doomed playstation is the bad guys it's again think yeah, about the, the, how that impacts people right before before posting things like that yeah for sure um 
Jacob Novik, also increasing the silver currency price of Destiny's Pass, so you need to buy two pack of a thousand silver packs instead of one, so you need to spend more IRL money. Yeah, there's the whole controversy surrounding Destiny, making it so you have to buy multiple packs, which... Remember the good old Xbox Live points days? Remember oh, yeah. those days when you had to buy 1,600 points, and yeah. then you have this weird leftover amount of points, and <laughs> then you had to anything. buy more yeah. points to be able to use your points? Yeah, that's a sunk cost fallacy that a lot of business models use. I don't like it. I don't like when anyone does it. I understand why they do it because you've already invested money and you don't want to feel like you're just your money's going to waste, so you invest more money. Again, it's a fundamentally manipulative approach to monetization, and um, it's their right to do so, but I don't I like it. It's not great. Uh, okay. Jacob Novik, everything I mentioned here happened within this gen. Yes. Yeah, appreciate that, Jacob. Yes. Important to have the context. Important to have all of the, the the figures when we talk about how Xbox and PlayStation relate to each other in the industry. But mm -hmm. now I want to have some fun. Yeah. And I, I need to preface this conversation with what we're about to talk about here are rumors. This isn't verified information. This isn't an insider report. This isn't an insider scoop. <laughs> this isn't me confirming anything. This is me seeing some... Some people talking about a this franchise I love. This is not breaking news. Not breaking news. And what it could be. <laughs> and I love going down a good rabbit hole. I love talking yeah. about the possibilities of what, what things could mean for the future of video games, for the future of the franchise. So let's talk about Resident Evil 9 rumors. Yes. Rumors, I stress yes. to you. I stress. <laughs> All right. So according to, what is it? Uh, Evil Hazard, which is a fan site. Resident Evil yeah. Forums and Dust Golem, who I will say Dust Golem has given a lot of accurate information about Resident Evil in the past, especially mm -hmm. the last few with Four and Village. So there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth between some of these fan sites, these forums, and some rumors have been popping up about Resident Evil 9 and what it could be called. And the current rumors are that the next mainline entry in the Resident Evil franchise will be called Resident Evil Apocalypse, spelled a-P-O-C-A-L-X-P-S-E with the I-X serving as the Roman numeral nine. <laughs> so much like Village where they got fancy and creative with slapping a Roman num numeral in here, they're going to throw in an X to get Apocalypse so they can slap a nine in the middle there. This rumor says that this will be the last game to star Chris Redfield and will also feature Jill Valentine a single-player game, no co-op, with Jill acting as a Ada Wong figure that you interact with throughout the story. It will take place in Europe and feature cryptids like the Wendigo and will explore other regional horror folklore. And again, mild spoiler if you haven't beat Village, but this game will pick up right after the events of Village. And at the end of Village, again, spoiler, spoiler, the end of Village, you're in a helicopter flying to Umbrella HQ. So they set up something incredibly obvious to be pursued down the road. So it would make perfect sense for Nine to pick up right after Village there with Chris being the lead. Ka, if these rumors are to be believed, how would you feel if this was Resident Evil 9? I'll be honest, I'm a I would be a little disappointed. Like I do I was a big fan of the the, the two previous Resident Evil games. Thought those games were fantastic. You know it feeds into my horror love and those feeds into my, my love of, of the Resident Evil franchise. I'm sick of Claire, of Claire and Chris, to be honest. I want new characters what? in that space. I want new I want new characters in the Resident. 
I know people are like poo poo on Shiva Alamar and all the people who were in that space. But it was nice to be able to think about what those characters potentially could bring to the franchise, even though they got dumped after five, which is, I understand why. But setting was different. It felt like, I don't want to be in another Eastern European city. Like, I don't, like, those parts of it, I get, because it is a way to kind of tie a bow on, on this, this, this story arc. We, we gotta like, finish the trilogy. The you trilogy gotta, you gotta of trilogy. Finish the trilogy. I get it. But, like, I'm sick of Chris and I'm sick of Claire. I want new people in there to do other cool stuff. I want new kinds of baddies and enemies in a different way that's not just the cryptid stuff. You know, yeah, like uh, Ard Ardemal says in the chat, like, we need more Ada. Like, Ada Wong never really still got her love in, in the space besides being a side character for, for what she wants to do. There are so many interesting angles for what Resident Evil can be from not only a tonal perspective, from a setting perspective, from a character perspective. And you have the beauty and you have the best like foil for all of it, which is still the, the, the virus, right? You have so many different ways you can flip that story and flip that into a different way to bring in all those things that I talked about. That like now it feels like we're treading on a lot of the same ground that we've continuously tread on. And that part to me feels a little bit boring. Like the thing that I will expect to now happen is, and we also kind of hit a weird technological uh, uh, stop right, right now, right? Where RE engine is still one of the best looking, beautiful engines on the planet. And you have a real expectation for what that game is going to look like in engine. And we're, we're not going to get to like a real like transformative visual leap yet. Like that conversation about like what dead Island did with the, with the gore there and how you can hack and slash bodies together and that kind of stuff. Our engine hasn't gotten to that spot yet. So it leaves me wanting for a lot for the things that I care about as a horror fan. Like I want an interesting story. I want interesting monsters. I want an interesting like reason why these monsters came to be and why you're trying to stop it. And I need it to be gory. Like, even the gore in Resident Evil 8 was okay. It wasn't that, it wasn't that gross in that, in that way. And maybe that's just because I have a screwed up version of what <laughs> I think is gross. Like, my, my version of gross is so much further along than most people's version of gross. Well, I look at this stuff and I'm like, oh, this is like baby gross. This isn't like... Yeah, head exploding. Seen yeah, that I'm like, whatever. Times. How many times have I seen that? You didn't even use Sonics for that. That wasn't even like scanners. That was corny. That was, get out of here. Like, what is this? I need all of those things to be ratchet, ratcheted up to like 12, 20 for, it to, for me to give a crap at this point. And I'm just like, kind of sorry that I don't care about Jill Valentine anymore and Claire and all that stuff. Like, I don't, I don't care about Chris Redfield anymore. Like, he's been the same character for the past five games. Hasn't changed his tone, hasn't changed his real, like, uh, uh, you know, he's learned how to do a, a roundhouse kick. And has well, been putting in the work, all right? You know how hard he's it been is lifting. to execute a perfect roundhouse kick that can kill someone? Look, he's putting vampires, he's putting, in a vampire, he's putting, you know, monsters into Suplex City now. That's great. Yeah. But so what? I don't care. That takes I some need, strength, I need, dude. I need, I need him to go to therapy. I need him to, to talk to people. I need him to go. Oh, where's internal affairs? Where's internal affairs in, inside of this, this man's <laughs> been through some traumatic work experiences and no one's helping him out. I, okay. You know, he must have the most PTSD and no one cares. Just How like, he go, copes Chris. is just dropping 
a one-liner every 30 seconds. It's the only way he can cope with, I just shot a man in half. Well, better luck next time. Right? Yeah, you know. You uh, killed a man. Is that how you react? Yeah. You just I, you I, you lit yeah. a you lit a cow on fire, and your <laughs> response is bill me for the repairs. Are you, you a sociopath? What do you? The biggest fish on the planet, and you are just like, well, I don't know. We're gonna continue to go and do this thing. I, yeah, I want them to. I want them to build that world out more, and not do it in the ways that they have currently been doing, which is like, oh, let's make a multiplayer version of this game. Like, don't do that anymore. I love you. I love you, Capcom. Stop trying to make multiplayer in Resident Evil games. It's not working. It's never going to work. It can but work. Bro- they just no, need to do Resident Evil Outbreak in the modern setting. All right. They had the blueprint. Oh. They had the blueprint. They haven't gone oh. back to it. They gave me all reverse. And I said, what are you doing? Honey, uh. why? Why are you doing this to me? You got oh, the blueprint. Like- you know what works. You know what people like. You got Escape, Escape from Tarkov. You got Daisy. You got all these games that have evolved your fundamental blueprint with Resident Evil Outbreak, and you're not going to revisit it? Nope. What's wrong with you? They need, they need to throw any, any listen, Capcom, look at me close. Any clue, any things that you are going to do in a multiplayer space that's not Street Fighter and not Exo Primal, dump it. Leave it alone. No! Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't do it. When I look at these details, these rumors for Resident Evil Apocalypse, it, it makes sense. This this would make sense for what yes. comes next. They could yes. reuse assets from Resident Evil 4, from Resident Evil Village, because it's similar vibes, similar atmosphere. Um, I do like what they've done with the, the new mainline entries. I do like that Capcom has celebrated the past and the future. I thought Resident Evil 7 was a transformational moment like you touched on. I think that Resident Evil 7 delivered everything you were just talking about. We got Mm -hmm. a new character, Ethan, which people don't like Ethan. Some people are harsh on Ethan. Ethan's the ultimate horror himbo. He's just a dumb everyman that you can relate to. He was so dumb. Who tries to have cheesy one-liners that don't land. He looks at like Leon and Chris and says, those guys are so cool. I want to be like them, but he's not. He's just, he's just a dude. And then he becomes a dad and he's just the, he's just a dad out there trying to make the best of a terrible situation. And I thought that was an interesting character in resident evil, especially when resident evil has shifted towards Chris, which is just the boulder punching alpha Chad, just killing people. And Leon, you know, God bless his soul, but he has also become an alpha Chad. He's, he's, he's a video game sex symbol now. All right. There's so many perverted mods of Leon for resident evil 4 remake (laughs) but that being said capcom has seen sales success with resident evil they're not afraid to experiment with resident evil and i hope that means that they continue to experiment with resident evil so if they want to just wrap up this trilogy with resident evil 9 end it that way i want to see much like you something new new ideas new characters and and twists on what we know resident evil to be because the reason Resident Evil is so strong right now is because they took a huge risk with Seven. They took a yeah. huge risk. They said, "Hey, it's a first-person game. Hey, it's a a horror folk. This is a horror game more than you've seen from Resident Evil since the originals. This is a horror game." There was the internal testing where they said that the game was too scary. Their internal test. That's why they shifted the tone a little bit in Village because people said Seven was too scary. Mm-hmm. Um, they really leaned into that, and that just empowered capcom to be creative to twist what you know a franchise to be in ways you didn't expect in ways that land and i want to see them continue to do that with resident evil so 
These details for nine sound like, yeah, that makes sense for what it could be. That's what they set up. And I would play that. I, I was happy with Village. I was happy with Resident Evil 4 remake. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, and to your point about gore, we're, we're seeing them push it a little bit. Resident Evil yeah. 4 remake, you, Leon gets his eyeballs thumbed out, which I thought was cool. You yep. can blast enemies in half with the shotgun you see their entrails behind them as they're crawling it's not dead island level that that's right. that's a lot but i want to see them go back to just the core zombie focused formula the the, mm -hmm. the horror focused formula and maybe if they did that that would allow them to really elevate that gore and elevate that horror and make it smaller scale cuz now we are back to if you're leading as Chris, we know how Resident Evil Village ends, where you're Chris with just an assault rifle and, and a tank, <laughs> and you're you're just absolutely destroying, eviscerating everything in sight. So I imagine that would be more of the tone of of Apocalypse, but who knows? And then how do you balance that? How do you balance being an ultra badass with a fully automatic weapon and horror? Yeah, it's a tough and balance. And if you're going back to Umbrella Corp to HQ. The assumption in that is that you're going to fight Wesker at some point. Again. Oh, yeah. And that in a weird way, they have lost control over the situation, even at Umbrella HQ, because that's the place where the virus has been grown and distributed. And now if you're going to that place, what are you going to fight? Are you just going to fight humans? Are you going to fight mutated versions of humans is it going to be a thing where somebody you know was like we're going to burn it all down so screw it so let's we'll hit the button and air gas the whole spot and everybody becomes a zombie and wesker tries to run away because he's superhuman and a, and, a, and he's he, he's he's basically a, a superhero now at this point like i i worry about where they're going with the end of this and seeing where they're going to land it I, i'm happy to have it be done so they can do something different let Umbrella me tell you. Umbrella's good now? What do you mean Umbrella's good now? Afropunk in the chat says Umbrella's good Yeah, they, what? like, I don't know. Yeah, they basically, because at the end of Resident Evil 7, Chris is working for Umbrella. Oh, right. Oh, there was that's that whole, right. Like, they've shifted what Umbrella is, and if oh, Umbrella is right. the good guy or the bad guy. But. Uh, that's right. Again, if you haven't beat Resident Evil 4, I will try to avoid spoilers here. But I will say. These details surrounding Resident Evil Apocalypse seem more fitting because I am 99% sure that the next remake will be Resident Evil 5. They have Really? At the end of Resident Evil 4, they they set that up. They set up the events of Resident Evil 5. They introduce characters who are in oh, yeah. the main villains in Resident Evil 5. Um so yeah, if this is the reality, if Resident Evil Apocalypse is Chris and Jill, it would make sense to go back to that Resident Evil 5 and have, you know, the, the story of Chris and Jill meeting Wesker, how that arc played out. Keep Sheva. Let's go. Sheva was amazing. Yep. Love, love yep. Sheva. Um, keep her in it. And it better be co-op. I swear to you. <laughs> I swear to anyone. If Capcom remakes Resident Evil 5 and takes out co-op, I will go scream outside of capcom hq all right i will be there screaming because i'm sorry resident evil 5 it has its problems for sure it is sure. not the best game they're gonna have to tweak some stuff make some big changes to resident evil 5 but that being said it is peak peak co-op gaming one of the greatest co-op video games of all time oh my god dude if they take that from me 
we're gonna have some problems. We're gonna have some problems, okay? I agree. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's kind of the rumors. I was gonna ask you where do you want the franchise to go next, but you kind of touched on that already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the future of Resident Evil is bright. If you're a Resident Evil fan, you're gonna be eating good because as long as we keep buying the Resident Evils, they will keep feeding us Resident Evil. Yeah, I, it would be also really quickly before you pivot. I, I think it would be really interesting if they shifted away from the IP name of Resident Evil, but continue to go down the zombie monster path, right? Like, I think it wouldn't necessarily have to be underneath that umbrella. And maybe Pun that's intended. the way you... Yeah, un, unintended. Uh, but it would be the, the thing that would then give that space to kind of be what it wants to be while also getting a chance to kind of play in some of those other horror spaces that they do really well, um, but not be, you know, have that albatross of the IP name around it. So you mm -hmm. can play around in some spaces that you didn't get a chance to play before. And so that'd be cool. Yeah. And we, I think we could also just encourage people to take bigger risks. Cause yeah, I've talked about yeah. like, Oh, there's this weight with established franchises and then people feel too afraid to venture too far out. We've seen mm -hmm. it happen with Halo. We've seen it happen with Gears. A lot of these legacy franchises get caught in this trap of this is why it's popular. This is what people want. We want to we want to try new things, but we're just going to and dip our toes in. We're going to sprinkle in a new feature here and see if people like it, read the feedback, and then maybe maybe incorporate that with the future game. I say we champion people to be like, hey, you know what? This is what Gears was, and this is what Gears is. Yeah, That's what that. 7 was. That's what Resident yeah. Evil 7 was. It was, hey, this is not going to be what you know Resident Evil to be. And I celebrate the hell out of that, because that's a, that's a big, bold move, and it, there was no guarantee it would pay off. And I know some people didn't like the first person, and they've backpedaled that a little bit with Village and Resident Evil 4 being third person, but I thought the first person approach was great. I see somebody in the chat brought this up and i've seen this kind of conspiracy theory running around is that they're going to go back and remake resident evil one with the original vision of it being a first person horror game and that who mama that would be yeah it. that could be interesting i think i think that would be something yeah something. yeah okay yep. cause not on board cause cause not I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical i want new i want new 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 and they were getting a lot of remake and you know shout out to motive for, for everything they did with dead space but like i want new i want new stuff we got we gotta we gotta move out of this kind of let's just redo the same thing we did and add some new flavor on speaking of redoing the same thing with adding a little flavor we get to talk about some more rumors as we know konami's been out of the game for a little bit you know mm. they've they had they had a weird period of time where they weren't really developing games they canceled Silent Hills, they yeah. put out Metal Gear Survive, they put out Contra Rogue Core, and then they kind of kicked back and just let merchandise sell, let their pachinko machines rake in the money, and they weren't really actively investing in video games. In recent years, I think Konami has looked at the Capcom of the world and said, damn, we can actually make money if we make video games that people want to buy? Hmm, what a novel concept. And so they've been partnering with studios and partnering with developers to bring back some of these legacy franchises. One particular rumor, as we inch closer towards game award season, we get inundated with, oh my God, Bloodborne's going to be 60 FPS on PS5, dude. <laughs> this is the year, man. Another one of those <sighs> is the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. That where's, is Paris? Where, where's, where's Paris? Where's Paris? 
The Metal Gear Solid 3 remake has been rumored for a long time. A lot of people consider Metal Gear Solid 3 to be the pinnacle, the greatest Metal Gear Solid game ever. And so this particular rumor this year has gotten more traction because of some industry professionals and reporters from the likes of, you know, Windows Central, Jez Corden, Andy over at VGC. They are saying that they have heard that there are rumors of Metal Gear Solid 3 being announced very soon and then very soon at a at a potential PlayStation showcase and that it might potentially be a timed PlayStation 5 exclusive. So first off, I probably already know, but how are you feeling about the idea of a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake from the Konami camp? As a as a big huge Metal Gear Three fan, uh, that game was on one of my uh, GQ top one hundred games lists. Uh, uh, oh, mini mini flex. Uh, I want that game, but I don't want that game, and this is the reason why. It's not because I don't love Metal Gear Three. It's not because I I don't want to see what they can technologically do to that game to make that look and bring it up to kind of today's standard. It's because I think the better game to have done that with is Metal Gear 4. I think MSG 4 is the game that really was that interesting bridge between the PS3 and PS4. I think from a technology standpoint, there are things within that game that you could really show off in a way that you can't do in 3. I think the fact that you would potentially do, like, the biggest thing from MSG 4 that I think would translate well technologically is the Octo Camo stuff. That stuff with our, with the technology that we have today, playing on a PS5, that could be like phenomenal stuff that also then gives a good understanding and idea of what a new Metal Gear game could be for this generation. And I think that technology could be the, the tipping point to say, oh, in the same way that we see with Dead Space uh, Remake, right? Where now folks are like, Motive, can you make two and three, right? Now we have a new Metal Gear version that comes out that is doing all those things that we wanted it to do. It's going to feel better from a locomotion perspective because you can change the rigs now in a way that you couldn't do before because it just you have more ways to kind of make motion feel better in those games. And you can make a much more and a much larger and more expansive world in the ways you did with five that even blow that out of the water from a technology standpoint. Because if you think about what happened with five, one of the first things that they showed was like, oh my God, look how big this world is. Mm-hmm. Look how far you can go. Look, you can do whatever you want within this space. Oh my goodness, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, depoid, a, 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 a depot down the way. Oh, it's like six miles away. I can get on top of a mountain and go kind of scope in with my binoculars and go see that and then Know, tactically try to figure out how to take that thing down. I think that plus MSG4 story and the technology that was in that game could be a monster. And I think three, you don't get that in that way because you're dealing a lot with fo- foliage and some of that stuff is a lot of hiding and grasses and things, which is a thing that is, you know, a, a testament to what that game has become. And you can do that really well on, on today's technology. But I think four would be the really cool version of that game that as opposed to three. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the first Metal Gear Solid remake we get is three. Because with Capcom and their formula, we've seen them do one, 
I mean, it's been obviously it's been a while since they did one, but they did one, mm-hmm. then they did two, three, four. It makes sense. So it would be really interesting, despite the fact that Metal Gear Solid Three is arguably the most popular or the most yep. critically acclaimed. It would be weird to start there, and I wonder what the approach would be moving forward. Because the hope here is that if you're doing a remake, you introduce a new audience to this franchise and you give something to longtime fans. So it's a win-win. Longtime fans get a re-experience one of their favorite games and you use features and advanced tech to bring in a modern audience to this. How are they going to set that up for what comes next for Metal, Metal Gear? That would be my only question when I look at Metal Gear Solid 3 being where they start with the story. And they could obviously go into other remakes, but I imagine that they wouldn't. I imagine it would be Metal Gear Solid 3 and then something net new from the Metal Gear Solid franchise in the same way that we're seeing a lot of experimentation with Silent Hill. They're remaking Silent yeah. Hill 2, but then they're also doing a bunch of other new ideas. And I think that is fine, and that's kind of what I would want. I really wouldn't want to see Metal Gear Solid relegated to just remakes but then there's people who look at metal gear as it is and say you can't you can't do metal gear without kojima you can't that that his style of storytelling his world building that is kojima at its heart and soul so it's hard for some people to wrap their minds around what a metal gear solid game would be without kojima so maybe konami recognizes that in some capacity and says all right let's uh Let's try a remake. Let's find a good team to make a solid remake of what people want, what people know and want. We don't have to mess with too much. We can just make it look better, make it play better, and give fans a Metal Gear game. Make that Metal Gear money, and then we don't have to worry about creating a new story that ties into this world. Right. So do you think if this is a hit that this will lead to more Metal Gear games? And do you think there's ever a world where Kojima gets involved with the franchise? No on that answer. I think yeah, those bridges are burnt to the burnt ground. Burnt to a crisp. I mean, I mean, look about I mean, think about it. I mean, Kojima Productions now is its own thing in yeah. a real way. Like I think I think the biggest conversation when Kojima and Konami had a fight in split ways was like, what is Kojima gonna do? Like, is he just gonna become a free agent? Is he just gonna go be, you know, work for not not for another studio because that's just beneath him at this point, but I think what was going to be his plan and i think with death stranding being out in the world and being a success and kojima production showing that they can hit everything from fidelity to story to to all of those things they are in the driver's seat about whatever they want to do in that space you got xbox throwing a bag at them so throwing a bag you know what i mean like i see i saw phil and everybody on the team and and, you know aaron green hanging out at kojima studio i was like man i want to go to kojima production studio that look cool yeah but it winds up being that thing that now Kojima can continue to write his own ticket. He has his production studio. He already knows what he wants to do. He's talking and hanging out with Jordan Peele. They're going to do something cool at some point. Oh God. Yeah, hopefully. that's right. Jordan Peele and Kojima. Woo. Right. So like he can do what he wants to do. I do think that there is still a space and maybe this is just me talking about it from a fan perspective of like, I really do want a metal gear game. I want a new metal gear game. And, and it does it again. Like we don't have to do anything with, snake because snake is dead and all of those conversations in there again another space where you can pull in a new character and make a new storyline and dig into some of the the real kind of underpinnings of what that story was about which is you know war global conflict all of those things you can do all those things in the story have someone else write it it would actually you know what it would actually and i know this isn't going to happen 
it would be kind of cool to see Jordan Peele write a Metal Gear game. Oh, damn. I didn't I didn't think about that until just now because I've always thought about him in terms of just doing horror stuff. But like he is a fantastic writer in terms of the conversations around, you know, issues of the day. Um, it could be really cool to see like them play around with some of that stuff. But but would Jordan Peele it, do his pal Kojima dirty like that? You know, nah, he wouldn't do it because it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for them to do that together. I mean, you could you could make you could make freaking uh, metal metal gear za <laughs> put a z on it, and then <laughs> like yeah, we're gonna do it for Kojima Productions, and then just have them have them write it and do it. But I, I do I do think that there's still a space for a, a new Metal Gear game. I hope that this is potentially a thing that from that that conversation of if we get this right. Let's test the waters and see if people are excited about the franchise still. Um, and then what would happen in that space would be really cool to see if they could actually pull it off. Because I think the bones are there. Like, Kojima's a good writer. He's a, he's a, he's a great writer. But he, his ethos of what he is and brings to that space can be replicated. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's just a thing that he could do. And then it's just done because he's not doing it anymore. The, the 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 bones of that story and the bones of that IP are still are still ones that someone else could take on and do and do really cool stuff with, especially with the way that we've seen games tackle the technology layers of all that stuff. Every game now has a drone in it, right? Like all of those things that we've seen kind of push itself forward from the Metal Gear franchise are now incorporated in most of the games we wind up playing. Everyone has a throwable camera. Everyone has a way to kind of like surveil the, the space around you. Everyone has a way to kind of be stealthy. Like it, it wouldn't be that hard to see the analogs between what that game could be and what a new franchise could be or a new version of that game could be with the new character. Yeah, it's one of those things where when we look at art and successful art and art that people love, at a certain point, it becomes what it means to the audience, what it means to the creator. Mm-hmm. And we've seen long-running franchises get picked up by someone else new fresh talent with new ideas and they take what that franchise meant to them and means to the world and they they put their own spin on it so i do agree i think there is space for it to exist it's you know as much as i love kojima i think even kojima would agree that sometimes some artist will do something better with with an idea that you have and i think unless your ego is just out of control it's you know it's okay to recognize that it's okay to allow someone to experiment within these this playground and these confines that you created and and hopefully evolve it we've seen it with movie franchises constantly evil dead is a recent example evil dead that we've had multiple people go back to the well and and put their own spin on it on on what it means and while evil dead 2013 and evil dead rise feel completely different tonally than the original Evil Dead movies, they still capture the essence of that terror, that that visceral gore, that that what the messaging of Evil Dead has always been. And so yep. you could have somebody go back to the well with Metal Gear and do something innovative and original and exciting. And I think there is potential for it. And with all remakes, it is just a a, a trial, a justification to see can we invest the big money into a new project is is the money going to be there will people buy it or has it been so long that there's no guarantee for for sales anymore and konami's in that space with all of their ip because they've been all of them dormant for such a long time that being said they didn't question silent hill they're doing five silent hill games at the same time (laughs) 
We didn't give you one for a good decade or longer, but here's five. Now shut the f up, all right? Yeah, here's five yeah. Silent Hills. Quit yeah. saying that Kojima's going to make Silent Hills at every E3 show. Here's five of them, all right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So we got to talk about the exclusivity show. Obviously, this is an Xbox show. Metal Gear Solid, the Metal Gear Solid HD collection is on Xbox. It's, it's you know, Metal Gear Solid games for a long time. The last several have been on Xbox. How do you feel about exclusivity in this case? Would it be a bummer? Is it understandable? What's the deal uh, here? I mean, I mean, it always hurts for the for the folks who aren't going to get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, but it's also, you know, like, I think every everyone needs to understand that, like, we are in an arms race. And I think the arms race is exclusivity still. Like it is, it is one in which now we're seeing not only with the conversations about like purchasing studios and publishers, but also trying to figure out which games you're going to have on your platform is really just important. I think you're seeing it with the conversations about Blizzard and, and ABK about like why people are so upset about all of those things. Um, but I think I think for for this particular franchise. I don't think I've never thought of it as a Xbox game, you know, like I've always thought of Silent Hill and those kinds of games as PlayStation games in a weird way. Like they've always been. Yeah. That. Silent Hill one started on PlayStation. Metal yeah, Gear like, Solid started on yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. Like that's always felt like they, they belonged on that platform. So I, I think it's less of a worry for, for for folks who are like in that ecosystem and i think it would be just be sad for the folks who definitely did want to try it and they don't have a playstation platform game uh, uh, console to kind of dig themselves into so it sucks but it's also like that's the way it's moving kids we got to figure that out now either, yeah. either you can jump on that board if you can financially support it and, and do it and get the other console too but if you can't then you just gotta wait yeah it's unfortunate in this battle of content this battle of you know it's less about the con consoles now itself and more about the exclusive content, as we're seeing with a lot of subscription services and, and that pool, there's a lot of people who are looking at any high profile game. PlayStation understands that it has teams cooking. Those teams take a while to cook. So what PlayStation has been very, very aggressive about is is calling up everyone and saying, hey, can we have exclusivity on this? We'll, yeah. we'll give you devs. We'll give you money. We'll give you marketing money. We'll give you resources to help this game. And we'll give you a, a lump sum of cash. Can we get exclusivity on this? And they say, mm, you know, we have potential to do X dollars on X platform. And, the, and they will come back and say, all right, well, what if we can guarantee that the money we give you supersedes what you'd sell on that platform yep. in that time? What about that? And then you're looking at that as a publisher and, you're, as, as, and a developer. And you're like, well, damn, when you put it that way, <laughs> all right, dude, let's go. And that's, yeah. that sucks for people who only have an Xbox. And I talk about this. Not everyone can afford all the consoles. And it sucks. Like sometimes you... You buy a, cop, a platform for one reason because it has games or an ecosystem that you connect with your friends are there whatever the case is and then you see an absolute banger drop that you want to play and it's an exclusive metal gear solid could be that it could still be multi-platform again these are just rumors but with that being said um some other rumors suggest that konami and playstation are going to be Real, real tight for a little while. Really, really tight. We already know that Silent Hill 2 timed PS5 exclusive. Mm -hmm. If this Metal Gear Solid 3 remake rumors are, if these rumors are true, true, that would be another PS5 exclusive. Yep. Some folks are suggesting that they have heard that Castlevania, one of my favorite franchises 
of all time, a franchise I've been begging to come back in one way, shape, or form. Some people are suggesting that Castlevania could be coming back and that Castlevania additionally would be a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Kaw. First off, is there a world where there's a PlayStation showcase that has Metal Gear Solid 3, Castlevania, and Silent Hill 2 in the same show? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't see why not. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, they, 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 you buy a block and you say, like, look, we're, 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 we're giving you this stuff to showcase that you are a preferred partner of ours. We want to give you a space to, to showcase all of your stuff. All you got to do is say you're exclusive to us and you got, you got marketing dollars towards it. Like that's the easy way to do a lot of that stuff. It makes a lot of sense for them to potentially do it. Um, so we'll see. I, I think, I think that could be a really interesting thing. I think the Castlevania conversation is wild. Cause I, I, I think that also goes back to that conversation of, uh, and what you touched on is like, does that franchise still have cultural relevance? And I think that answer is probably no. But don't think the it, Netflix don't think anime was huge. Netflix, Netflix anime was huge. I think if you can crib, like, for me, that hearing Castlevania coming back doesn't have me excited until I see what you're trying to do with it. If you, if you, like, imagine if you were to be able to make a game in that anime art style in the Castlevania game. That would be really interesting. That could be super cool. Uh, you know, maybe you, you flip it on its head and go from, you know, a, a less 2D version of it to a more 3D version of it somehow. Like, that could be really interesting. It, it really depends on what the version of that game that we would potentially be getting and how they kind of share it. If it's in that world, of course, we all love that world. That world is great. That IP is great. Now it just really depends on what, what's the offering that you're trying to do to make it different. That is going to be the thing that makes me excited or not excited for. The problem with Castlevania right now is that From Software exists. Yep. Uh, from software <laughs> took the fundamentals of castlevania and yep. elevated them in every way transitioned dark souls one to me was pretty much symphony of the night that that mm -hmm. sense of freedom and gameplay empowerment and exploration but converted into a 3d world like mm -hmm. that to me when i played that that's the first thing i thought of is man this is what i've always wanted castlevania to be and feel like and they did it so now Castlevania needs to come into this space with established developers who have taken what has made Castlevania iconic and great in the past and deliver on that. Like, I, I think it would be cool to have a, a Symphony of the Night remake, but that wouldn't be the thing I want first and foremost from Castlevania. I want to see yep. what's new. I want to see a fresh idea from Castlevania, and I want to see that franchise really embrace where the industry is because it's been... Was Lords of Shadow 2 2013? It's been something like that. It's been at least a decade since Castlevania's been in the space. All of these franchises that Konami has has been sitting dormant for a decade. And let me tell you, the landscape of game development and the expectations from audiences has changed dramatically in a decade. So, one thing that Konami has not been great about in the past is giving teams big budgets for projects. Mm. As as video games got more and more expensive, Konami became less and less involved with video game development. They can't really have that luxury in this day and age anymore, and I, I hope that they are investing properly. I hope that they are giving the team's resources to deliver on these projects. When I hear five Silent Hill games, that, that makes me feel like the budgets for a lot of those are not that high. 
But that being said, I'm hopeful to see what Bloober team delivers with Silent Hill 2. If they do a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, I'm hopeful for that. And I would be very curious to see what's next from Castlevania if this is true. But man, would that be a tough pill for Xbox fans to swallow if PlayStation scooped up exclusivity for Metal Gear, Silent Hill, and Castlevania back to back to back. After not having those franchises for a decade, and then you have to wait even longer if you're an Xbox only player, man, that would be, that's an aggressive ass power play from PlayStation. That's PlayStation <laughs> yep. like picking up the phone, seeing the ABK deal and calling anyone and everyone and saying, we need exclusivity. Like yeah. we need exclusivity right now. What do you want? Like, what are your big, what are your biggest games that you have coming out? And can we have exclusivity for it? Nope. And it makes sense. I, I hope that, you know, <laughs> Either Xbox starts saying, hey, you know what? We'll give you X number of dollars just so you don't make it exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's what you call it, though. I think that's still Game Pass in their, in, their, in, their, in their quiver, right? Like, I think that is still the, like, we will give you this. Is, it's not full exclusivity, but it is a thing that's like, you will get guaranteed dollars up front. And, that's, and you'll get guaranteed store placement up front. You know where your game is going to go. You're going to have millions of people playing your stuff, even if they just like happenstance come across it, right? If they're just like, oh, what's the new thing in Game Pass? They, you have an avenue to get people to see your stuff. It's still a reasonable carrot on the end of a stick. Exactly. And that's, again, people in the Xbox camp are seeing all, the, all of these potential exclusive deals and saying, yo, Xbox, why, why aren't you playing that game? What's the reality here? And it's probably this delicate balance of justifying the price because... The hard truth is with Microsoft being in third place in this, mm -hmm. the gaming industry, they would have to pay significantly more for exclusivity than PlayStation. Because PlayStation can say, boom, we got this data that shows you're going to sell X million copies over here anyway. You're already going to sell mil millions of copies on our platform. Why not give us exclusivity? We're going to throw some money at you. You're going to sell millions of copies and we're, we're all golden. We're all gravy. Um, Xbox doesn't have that same data on their side, unfortunately, as it stands right now. Xbox mm -hmm. is rapidly growing. Xbox is investing so that they, they can leverage that data. And they do have Game Pass data that shows success and benefits. And that's why Capcom is bringing Exoprimal to Game Pass. Because, mm -hmm. again, I'm, I'm being careful with how I word this because I don't want to downplay what Game Pass is. But right, that tells right, right. me that Capcom is not as confident with its sales figures for Exoprimal. They're... They're confident in the game, but they're oh, not yeah. sure where it's going to land in terms of audience. And Xbox can say, all right, well, you know, we want to help this game find players. We have this service. We'll give you X amount of money. And then Capcom can look at that and say, cool, it's multi-platform release. We're dropping in Game Pass. That guarantees some revenue. That guarantees some players. And it's a win-win for everyone. And that's what it has to be for Xbox. Is yep. It needs to be a win-win for their business. And that's how they're going to justify these prices. That being said, if it gets to a point where most of the biggest games are exclusive to PlayStation time and time and time again, mm -hmm. then Xbox might have to just either have games that are just unquestionably must play. You must invest in the Xbox ecosystem without question. You have to be here to play these or they're going to have to be more aggressive and say, all right, we have to just eat the money. Like we, do, we have to eat the money. We can't keep losing these big, these big beloved franchises because people are just going to say, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting a year plus to play 
the new Silent Hill, the new Metal Gear, the new Castlevania. I'm just not. I'm buying a PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And then if more and more people do that, then you say, oh, actually, I like PlayStation. PlayStation's cool. They continue yeah. to give me stuff I want. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll keep investing here. Maybe I yeah. won't bother with my my Xbox anymore. Again, that's a dramatic scenario, but that's kind of the reality of these these habits that we find ourselves in. Is you go where the best experience is. You go to where the experience that caters to what you want. And if you want to play Konami games, well, yep. you might have to buy a PlayStation Five. We shall see. It'll be a really interesting, uh, you know, rest of the year to see where that goes and kind of into into mid-year next year for sure. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. This war of exclusives is going to get more and more dramatic, I feel like, as we mm. look at people who are trying to scoop up stuff. And then maybe Xbox, who is a little jaded that they couldn't buy ABK, or we don't know, that deal might still go through. But maybe mm. they can't. Maybe it doesn't go through and they say, all right, then we're going to spite by... <laughs> 69 billion dollars worth of exclusives we're gonna call every hey capcom uh what's resident Evil 9 apocalypse how much do you want for exclusivity like i mean i mean that would change the dynamic in a huge way like think about that like because then you're thinking again about like what ip do you carry with and if you were to say as a sony property as a sony company every the next two to three resident evil games are only going to be on playstation that is a huge get if you were to be able to say that and do that, that's a huge. Oh, hit. that would be a hit. That would be such a hit. Because right now, Capcom is—they're strong, they're confident, they're successful. So they can, PlayStation can come to them with an offer and say, "We're going to sell millions everywhere. We're going to buy our games everywhere. So we're going to put them everywhere." But if there's a world where that dynamic starts to shift yep. away from Xbox, that conversation is going to be a lot easier for PlayStation, and that's. Xbox can't not have consistent Capcom support, not with yep. how they're hitting. They just they yep. just can't. That would be such a detriment to the business. But again, it's interesting to see how this all plays out. And it will be interesting to see if Xbox puts some pressure on PlayStation and says, hey, you know what? This is the way you've been playing. Uh, we tried to do it a different way. We were told we can't do it this way. So, so, so be it. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the gloves are off. It's exclusivity wars, <laughs> and every single big game goes back and forth between PlayStation and Xbox until the end of time. Oh my god, wild, yeah. wild. Um, wild. all right. I know you're a big fighting game fan. We got to talk a little bit about Mortal Kombat. Yes, and some new details surrounding what's next. What's next from the franchise? Mortal Kombat 12 has been rumored for a long time, and it was essentially confirmed via a WB shareholder meeting. So we all know it's coming. The fact that it's coming is not a surprise because WB says, hey, we're shipping a new Mortal Kombat soon. Investors, please, please don't pull all your money out. Please. We have, we have games coming. Don't, don't leave. Mortal Kombat's coming. But a lot of us have speculated on what that could be. Where is it Mm going to go? We had Mortal Kombat 10. We had Mortal Kombat 11. And now the teases are in full swing. We had Ed Boon, the legend himself, come out and tease with a cryptic clock. If yep. you saw it, it was a clock that loops around to 12 and then goes past to 12 and stops at one. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yo, what does that mean? What's this all about? And mm-hmm. then we've had some folks with quote insider information come out with reports about what's next for Mortal Kombat, when it's launching, what it's gonna be called even, and some additional details. I'm not gonna go into the specific characters in, c- in case people want that i won't spoil that but right according to folks like jez from windows central the next mortal kombat game is going to be announced very soon probably before the end of may yep 
And according to the information, it's going to be called Mortal Kombat 1. Um, and mm. uh, it's targeting a September 2023 release for Xbox Series X and S, PS5, and Nintendo Switch. Mortal Kombat 1, Kala, gives me some big Xbox One vibes in terms of the, <laughs> the messaging, naming. in terms of the naming convention. They already did Mortal Kombat, which was technically Mortal Kombat 9, but they just right. called it Mortal Kombat, and then did 10 after. So they already used the reboot moniker once. And so they're like, dang, we already used that once. So let's call it Mortal Kombat 1. How are you feeling about the idea of that name, first and foremost, and... What would you want from a reboot of Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat 1 is a name. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. I don't think that's great. I don't, I don't like it either. It's weird. I don't like it. It throws it into some weird layer of like a reboot. Is it, a, is it something different? Are you going back to square one? Like it, it just adds too many layers of. It's going to be the all-in-one fighting game. Oh God! I, I don't want. I, I want. I, I don't know. I don't. I want them to say Mortal Kombat 12. Just say Mortal Kombat 12. It's easier. We all know it's gonna be. Do some Roman numerals and make it sexy, right? Do yeah. do do pull pull the pull the Capcom, pull the Resident Evil, make it make it cool. What I want from this thing is I want the all in. I want this to be the goriest Mortal Kombat that ever has been made. I want this to be the most disgusting and gross version of combat. Mortal Kombat that's ever been made. I want them to use all the technology. We talked about this on the last time I was on the show. I want all of it to be super yucky and gross. And make people. <laughs> I want them. I want this to get. I want yeah. this to make them have to revisit Congress. I want them to have to go back. The ESRB to the 90s. is going to have to be like, yo, what? I want. Yeah, I want the ESRB to be like, I don't know, y'all. I, <laughs> I don't think you can do this. There's children here, and I want that. I want them to do that version of Mortal Kombat. I think from a story perspective, we've already seen them do a lot of the multiverse retcon stuff. They've done a lot of that already. So I don't know from a story perspective where they're necessarily going to land it because they, they, you know, for all intents and purposes, like Mortal Kombat for the past three games has had the best uh, uh, campaign in a, in, a, in, a, in a fighting game that we've ever seen. Like, yeah, it's been absolutely some of the best campaign content, single player content that you've seen in a fighting game in a very long time. So they can hang their hats on that, which means that I have a feeling that they'll, they'll continue to kill it on that end of it. But I think this is the possibility of now pulling in all of the obscure characters that didn't get a lot of love and a lot of the familiar faces that we didn't get a chance to see. I've, I've tried to stay as spoiler free from this as possible because I want to be excited about character reveals and things like this. But it has been one of those things where I'm like, oh man, we didn't get the robot ninja, the robot ninjas in the last game. We didn't get, you know, Quan Chi in the last game. We didn't get a couple of different uh, characters that I really want to see come back. Maybe we also get some flips on some of the old, old, old characters that we had. Like I think, you know, when you make a potential reboot, which is, is and it fits into the canon of what you've built, where you're like, we're gonna pull multiverse character is in it plays not only into the the fighting game mechanics which we've seen in variations over the past three three or four games plays into the ability for new kinds of versions of those characters and it gives you a space to not only bridge the the gap between the old and the new but it gives you a space to kind of pull in some of the things that you didn't really get a chance to do before like 
the thing that didn't really happen in the last game that there was much what was really kind of sorely missed was a lot of stage fatalities there were very few of those so like i think there's a lot of stuff that you can dig into and pull in and i'm just really excited because everybody knows Moto combat is my i love street fighter i love tekken but mk is like the one that 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 speaks to me so when ed is dropping hints and i'm like sitting there just like this okay ed tell me what you want Ed. whatever you need Ed, i'm here for you like i'm here i'm ready like and i think you know thinking about what you said in terms of the time frame too i think we're we're jazz is probably right like i think you know the smartest place to potentially show a thing looking at the full schedule of the year e3 is no longer here summer games fest has taken that position um game awards is too late in the year because that happens in december so we might get stuff either before summer games fest or right in summer games fest to be able to see what the new mortal kombat's going to wind up being which has me really excited because that does reinforce that conversation that the game is really far along and that it's going to be dropping pretty soon in the way that the last version we had to wait a fairly long time between the game awards reveal and when the game wind up dropping so man i'm so excited it's gonna be dope I'm real dude ah oh, there is huge potential to go back again people are tired of reboots but the yep. problem that mortal kombat got itself into for fans like me i was a reptile main in mortal kombat 10 mm, yep and then guess what because of the lore nerds, because the people are like, well, technically, I couldn't be, I couldn't be reptile in Mortal Kombat 11, and that is dumb. That is such yep. a dumb way to push a franchise forward. And they fall in this trap of, well, this character died in this world, or this character's here in this other dimension right. in this, in, in terms of the lore. So we have to, we have to pander to the lore here, and that's going to affect the fighting game. But if they go back to the very first Mortal Kombat tournament, all that slate is wiped clean. They can, they can keep themselves from falling into those traps. And something potentially cool that they could do is, wouldn't it be dope if they embrace the, the character creation aspect for the campaign and they let you be a, a combatant in the first Mortal Kombat tournament? And they build, mm. a, they build a campaign around, like the movie, like your little yep. OC, your OC original character yep. gets yep. to be, participate in Mortal Kombat. I think that could be cool. Obviously, there's a lot of iconic characters that they can pull from there to have the standout campaign moments. But I look at Mortal Kombat 11, and that's where they, they kind of lost me. Even though the campaign was mm. great, the, the combat was great, I didn't like it as much as 10. And part of that was because some of my favorite characters weren't there. It didn't have the horror icons, which is another big L. Uh, oh, Mortal yeah. Kombat 10 had all Leatherface, Alien, like mm -hmm. all these icons from horror, which again, for me as a sicko, that's, you know, I love it. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> like, like you, I want Mortal Kombat to be disgusting, yep. absolutely visceral. And they won't do this, but does anyone here remember Boshido Blade? Yeah. Bushido, Bushido Blade for PS1. Remember yep. the dope mechanics where when you would get hit in the arm, you're, you would become disabled in that arm? Or if yeah. you got hit in the leg or both legs, you would have to crawl on the ground? Yeah. Like, imagine a Mortal Kombat game where your arm gets blown off in the middle of the fight and then you just can only use one arm. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I want to see. Sure, that would impact, you know, the, the fighting game community, the competitive aspect of it. But add a weird dumb mode for people like me who just want the, the carnage. <laughs> Limbs skewed across the battleground. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, like it could be cool. Like I, I, I'm just, 
I'm very excited about whatever this game is going to wind up being. Again, like the the visual fidelity of that game has gotten really, really good. The story elements have been really good. I think to a certain extent, it doesn't really even matter what they they bring to the table in terms of for me of like what they bring to the table in terms of story when they retcon it and all that kind of stuff. Because you know you're going to get a full roster of, of of characters. I think the only thing that's going to change that I think is going to be important is if that change in tone or change in kind of canon for what they're going to go, how does that actually one-to-one affect the way that the game is going to play? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be the thing. Because if you think about it, the the Chronica layer of what that game is and the, you know, time-shifting of stuff didn't really play into the way that characters played in the fights except for the except for Geras, who was a a character who did time shift within within the fight but it wasn't like Liu Kang because he had like alternate Liu Kang had different moves because that alternate Liu Kang changed the way that it was brought up or raised or whatever you know in the canon it didn't do anything of that stuff so it'll be interesting to see if those things connect in a, in a way that's going to be different or if the, or if that canon is just going to affect the kind of outlying systems around the main thing that you do in that game in this fight. Does it change the crypt? Sure. Does it change the skins? Potentially and, and, and probably. But in terms of like the one-on-one fights and how those things work, it probably won't have that much of an impact on any of that stuff. It will probably change the way that they think about and who they bring in as those non- canon mk characters that a lot of people have been talking about that will change the way that that works from a story perspective and and potentially from that kind of change and shift of time and stuff yeah i'm really excited to see what's next and it's wild that we're living in a timeline where we're going to get street fighter 6 mortal kombat 1 uh and the next tekken all within a year like there's no guarantee that tekken is going to ship this year there's no guarantee that Mortal Kombat will ship this year, though it sounds very likely. But there's still a, a within the next 12 months, we are going to get all three of these juggernaut fighting games, and it's it's so good to see because Tekken looks hands. incredible. <laughs> How Ring is back, baby. Let's go! Oh, oh it looks so good. It looks uh, so good. So I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for all of it. I'm here for all of it. Um, we're getting close to two hours. There's a couple more topics. Yep. I'm gonna skip over one. Yep. I'm just going to give us give people a quick recap. A Plague Tale Requiem is 60 FPS on Series X. If you were turned off by the 30 FPS mode at launch, there's a performance mode available now. Go check it out. The game is amazing. We were going to talk about optimization, blah de blah de blah um, <laughs> But there's one more big topic I want to touch on, and I don't want to keep yeah. us here all day. So... Appreciate everyone still hanging out. If you're digging the show, hit the like button, share it out. If you're listening to the audio versions, slap me a little review. Um, Jacob Novick, in clarity on some of the earlier comments here regarding PlayStation, says, hold on, I didn't mean it like Sony are doomed because I'm not into console wars, but rather PlayStation 10 games as a service games they want to have before March, this fiscal year 2026, should be scared of how these and future things turn out is how I could have ordered it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's definitely, sure. everything's a question mark. There's no guarantees for success anymore and when you're spending millions of dollars hundred million dollars plus on a game that's scary that's a scary place to be mm-hmm. one more from jacob miles if you use a pc and use a mod does oh, spoilers this is spoilers for resident evil 7 or resident evil <laughs> village spoilers spoilers uh miles if you use a pc to 
to use a mod to zoom out the screen at the ending of RE7, you can see a hand who has two fingers bitten off and three within the bandages. So confirmed, I guess Ethan lives. Yes, there's oh. been people who have dove in. If you've, again, if you haven't, sorry, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't beaten Village, there's a scene where there's a car pulling away at the end and you see a the car stop and a figure what is walking on the side of the road. You don't see who the figure is, but a lot of people have taken the freeform camera and zoomed in and the character model that they use that's walking on the side of the road is Ethan's character model. So does Which he live? Weird, though. I don't know. Which is weird because they, well, they, they fixed that in the DLC though. Like, I think that, I think you get clarity on that in the DLC, if I'm not mistaken. Cause you don't, daughter... you don't, unfortunately. They played no, the... this daughter, doesn't his daughter take over in that DLC? Oh no, this I'm thinking about the, the most recent game. I'm a liar. Okay. That's so not when true. you, when you play the DLC, yep. um, it plays the exact same cutscene. Right. The exact right, 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 right. So you see it plays out. It has the scene where she's at the cemetery. Yep. And then she leaves, they get in the car, the car stops, and there's that same figure walking on the side of the road. So I don't know. It's Resident oh. Evil, so the story's always nonsense. So they could easily be like, <laughs> guess what? He lives, suckers. Yeah. Go play that DLC for the most recent game, because that, that, that DLC is really good, actually. Um, okay. Okay. Spoilers are over if you are skipping or pausing. Um, Summer Game Fest. We know the Xbox and Xbox Game Showcase and the Starfield Direct are June 11th. We talked about that last week, but another part of this show or another part of the, the summer festivities is Summer Game Fest, Jeff Keighley's show. And we know he's gone big the last several years. We know he continues to try to outdo himself. He wants to get the biggest reveals ever. He wants to get the most viewers ever. So he's really out there hustling, trying to make the show great. And this week, he revealed the roster of partners for the show. And I'm going to read it off here because it's it's absolutely staggering. The number mm -hmm. of confirmed partners for this show is huge. So strap in. Activision, Amazon Games, Annapurna, Bandai Namco, Behavior, Capcom, CD Projekt, Devolver Digital, Digital Extremes, Disney, EA, Epic, Focus Interactive, Gearbox, Grinding Gear Games, Boyoverse, Kabam, Larian Studios, Level Infinite, Magic the Gathering, NeoWiz, Netflix, Nexon, Niantic, North Beach Games, Paradox, Pearl Abyss, Phoenix Labs, Playa Playon, uh, PlayStation, Pocket Pair, Second Dinner, Sega, Smilegate, Square Enix, Steam, Techland, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers, and last but not least, Xbox. Mm-hmm. Woo! Bangers coming. That's a lot of developers and a lot of publishers on board here. So given this list, now that we know who's going to be there for sure, where are your hype levels at with the show? Are you excited? Have you been disappointed by Jeff shows in the past? Where do you stand with, with homie Jeff and Summer Game Fest? I mean, Summer Game Fest last year was the best version of, like, as a person in the press, it was a fantastic event. Like, everything was in one central location. You can go roam from one one booth to another booth to go check out the games. You get some time and hands on with it. You know, now that he's expanding it, has another year in his belt. I'm sure it's going to be even better. It'll probably have it with this amount of because they didn't have this amount of people at the previous one. It was much smaller, uh, so it means he's gotten a bigger space to potentially do all this stuff, and at least he's gotten more more places to do it. 
looking at the roster, of course, you know, I see, you know, WB is on there. So I'm like, is that Mortal Kombat? Is that going to be that where they Mortal doing Kombat? That? Is that it? Um, uh, CD Projekt Red. So I feel, I feel like they're definitely probably going to show something more with the cyberpunk stuff, the, the DLC. Uh, that's probably coming so that'll be really really cool i want to see what devolver brings because devolver always brings bangers to to the, to the space gearbox is an actually interesting one because i haven't seen anything that they have been cooking up for a while so they might might show some new stuff that we haven't seen before yeah, they had tiny tina way. but they've been heads down for a little bit now yeah they've been heads down for a bit which makes me excited to see what they're going to do annapurna continuously makes bangers bandai namco maybe we get some tekken 8 at the at the show uh that could be really really cool blue proto is it blue protocol is that the like anime i think so mmo that that looks pretty rad that i'm i'm very interested to see how that one turns out it's being co-published by amazon games i think might be um sega sega being there that makes me think maybe hyenas is gonna be there because that game is pretty great uh, or at least this, the stuff I got a chance to see of Hyenas, which is really cool. If you haven't got a chance to play the beta, that thing was really cool. Square Enix, of course, they always bring bring great stuff. Techland, it'll be interesting to see what they pull together because they just finished with Dead Rise, not Dead Rising, um, <laughs> uh, Dying Light, Dying Light Two, Dying, Dying Light, Dying Light. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Ubisoft has a lot to. I think Ubi's going to be the most interesting because they have so much stuff that's been like in and out of development and has gotten pushed back so much that that team will be really it'll be interesting to see where they land i don't know what they have to show um and i have I, like not even like i don't know what they have to show because i've just gotten any appointments for any of that stuff i just haven't seen anything that they've been working on besides skull and bones besides you know those kinds of things like it might be something new or it might just be skull and bones so a lot, a lot of questions in the air for them, and maybe, and maybe even thinking back about Warner Brothers, maybe we finally get a chance to get some hands on with Suicide Squad. So that might be a thing too. So, like you said, interesting things in the yeah, mix. Jeff, again, Jeff hasn't had the perfect shows, but he's done a better job year over year. Yeah. I think he's, you know, last year was a good testament for where Summer Game Fest can go in terms of that balance of pacing and ads and delivery. But th- this list is stacked. This list makes me feel like there's going to be a lot of games here. And sure, oh, there yeah. will be the typical, like, this is an ad. I mean, all trailers essentially are ads, but there will definitely be a mix of like, hey, we're paying to promote whatever game here, the new DLC or whatever it might be. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of big publishers here that have been quiet for a long time. And mm-hmm. with a lot of publishers like Ubisoft and others backing away from their own digital shows, it seems like a lot of people are are leaning into this as a way to message their biggest games of the year, which is exciting, which again, kind of, we all liked E3 because it was the the Christmas in, in summer for, for gamers. And we all got to <laughs> celebrate the industry and celebrate the big reveals at the same time. And then with E3 being up in the air, a lot of people had questions about how that would continue. And again, Jeff Keighley's show, you know, it would be nice if there's more competition, but for now there is this show as serving as that messaging. And when you have partners like PlayStation and Xbox on board with you, it shows that people are putting faith in you because we know we know Xbox is going to have an, their own show and there's a 99% chance PlayStation is going to have their own show. So the fact that they're still giving you something as part of the shows that they respect the process, respect what you're doing. What do you want to see revealed here? 
with there's so much potential for what could be revealed but what does ka want to see at summer game fest i mean I, of course i do i want to see mortal kombat <laughs> yeah. uh I, but i in in i think it's less singular versions of games it's more about like again goes back to that conversation that i've been kind of poking at for the for the entirety of the show was like i want to see new I want new stuff. I want stuff I hadn't seen before. I want to, I want to see stuff that's going to be exciting so that you get that double dip, right? Where you know you're going to get some new reveals at Game Awards, but we're also getting some stuff now that's going to be a little bit earlier. Or maybe we pull in some stuff that we hadn't had a, a chance to see for a while that we then get a new kind of like peek at to see where the progress has come on some of those games and where they're, where they're at. So it's more about new. Uh, and less about particular games, except for <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat Boy. Yeah, it's it's tough for me because there's a, a lot that I look at and get excited about. I'm curious to see what Xbox and PlayStation will show here specifically, because mm -hmm. we know they're going to both be messaging hard. PlayStation has been quiet for a long, long time. So, you know, mm -hmm. they've been cooking up something. Xbox had a developer direct early in the year that was well received. We got Hi-Fi Rush. We got some updates, but a lot of people have been saying, yo, dude, what is next? What is the, the near-term future for Xbox? We want to see some games. We want to see some gameplay. Phil Spencer on the interview with Kind of Funny Xcast said Avowed and Hellblade yeah. 2 are coming in the next couple, next few quarters, which suggests we'll be seeing gameplay for mm -hmm. both of those avowed at the very least we haven't seen any gameplay for that so mm -hmm. i'm excited about that i don't know that they're gonna give those types of reveals to jeff he's gonna get them like but, i think he'll get them but i don't think they'll be the cornerstone of that show like i think those will definitely go towards a, a xbox showcase of its own but i think they will give him stuff afterward you know like here's the thing that we want you to kind of oh here oh here's about again you, we, you know, we saw this in the showcase, like here's a new version of some new footage that you hadn't seen before, you know, some stuff like that. So I think it'll be interesting to see. What, yeah. I want to see that Elden Ring DLC. I don't know how far along it is. It's been announced. It's been revealed. We know it's in development, but it would be so dope to get a just sexy new trailer for <laughs> Shadow of the Erd Tree. Like I'm looking for any excuse, any excuse to replay that game, despite what my backlog looks like. I don't want to go back into Golden Ring at oh, all. Take it's, me back. I love oh. that game so much, oh, but also take like, me back. geez, no, I don't want to go back. I Give me another to... hundred hours of Elden Ring. No. Oh yes. Let me go back <laughs> to the lands between. Oh man. So there's a lot. Um, yeah. Behavior is a, is a curious one. They're working on one of the Silent Hill games, but I don't see Konami listed as a partner here. So mm -hmm. that for me lends more credence to the idea that konami is going to be leaning into the playstation show. probably because i know playstation or i know konami's working on games and i don't imagine konami is going to skip announcing or talking about any games for the year mm -hmm. so yeah maybe those rumors about konami and playstation being tight are true and maybe it could mm -hmm. just be marketing deals could just be marketing deals that are getting confused for exclusivity but we probably will find out Within the next few weeks, Jeff Grubb is saying before March 25th, some people are saying, speculating the week of, you know, maybe as soon as, or sorry, May 25th. Some people are saying maybe May 18th. I don't know, but it sounds like we'll find out very, very soon. Man, good stuff coming for the summer. <laughs> I'm excited, dude. I'm Again, the last few years, we've still been on the, the other end of the pandemic and COVID and things have been 
progressing, but still a little bit weird in terms yep. of consistency, in terms of, you know, the gang's all here. We haven't had the gang's all here moment in a long time. And I'm hoping that maybe this is that for the first time in a long time. The gang's all here. Everyone has their best foot forward. Everyone has something big to show because those moments are why we loved E3, why, why we watch these showcases, because we all want that big surprise, that big, big reveal, that thing that, like you said, something new that we didn't expect. Yep. And so there's potential with all of these publishers on board. There is potential for it to be that whether or not they deliver, whether or not everyone's ready. Let's stay tuned. Yeah, I agree. And Ka, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for running through the gauntlet, talking about Capcom, talking about gore and what and how the industry isn't pushing gore enough. It's I, not. I appreciate you. One more time for all the awesome folks joining us. Where can they find you? Well, first of all, thank you again for having me. You and the rest of the crew are, are, are always amazing. The community is fantastic. The, the energy in the chat is always lively and, and amazingly uh and then paris comes in and ruins it um mm. so yeah you know that guy um but yeah you can check out my work uh over at twitch.tv spawn on me uh that's where we do our live show every week uh usually it's around wednesday or thursdays around 6 p.m we've been moving things around because of the nba playoffs so it's been it's been now that my knicks are done i don't give a crap so it'll probably be on wednesday <laughs> 6 p.m pst uh, you can check out the show there uh we are on all podcast platforms we actually uh just fix some of our feeds so you can go check us out on iHeartRadio. we're on there now uh we're back on google uh, uh podcasts uh, a couple other places that we were weirdly not on before uh i had to hit some buttons in the back end i was like hey that's not working that's broken oh, so wait a second it. oops hey we, we fixed it so uh that stuff is in the mix i'll be covering summer games fest uh directly from the show so make sure you're checking out our youtube channel youtube.com spawn on me uh to check out more content when it drops there and uh yeah we're doing some fun stuff uh, hopefully we're going to be able to get the Spawnies, our award show back up and running for uh, early January. Oh, I'm sorry, late January of 24. Um, but we, you know, last year it was all fan voted. Uh, you could vote for nominees and the winners. Uh, we'll probably definitely be doing that again. So, so make sure you're checking out our feeds at Khalif Adams and at Spawn on me on Twitter. And you'll check out more of the information when we share it. So it'll be super dope. Yeah, show Khalif some love. Appreciate everything yeah. you do, man. Appreciate Thank everyone you. who tunes into the show every week. Drop some love in the comments. Leave some kind words. Engages with the chat. Appreciate each and every one of you. Have an amazing weekend. Go play Tears of the Kingdom, and I will catch you next week. Take care, everybody.